We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Pound Perspective here with Nate Dog and CDM. Red sadly could not make it once again, but we promise he's going to be back soon. He's going to be back He'll soon. He'll be here. I promise you. He'll be he, here soon. He's missing a big one, though, CDM. It's Super Bowl week, brother. It is it's Super, Super Bowl, Bowl week. week, man. It's it's getting down. It's the nitty-gritty time. It's the final game of football season. Uh, man, what an exciting, exciting season we've had so far. I like to say it, it's a beautiful season. You ain't kidding, man. I mean, it's been just madness from the beginning. And, and you know, when we obviously college Kings, we do that. We co-host that as well. And, and go check it out on all podcast platforms and YouTube on Nate dog productions. But, um, and once that season ended, we we're all, t- we talked about like, geez, college football's over, but Hey, we'll get the NFL play NFL playoffs are still here. So, Hey, we still got some time. Three weeks later, it's yeah, it's that, over. That three like, it's, weeks flew by super fast. It's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. The season's always just right when they, they end, right when they shouldn't. You know, we got so much love for this sport, and you know, uh, what a season! Just what a season! And and of course, like I said, go out there, subscribe to Nate Dog Productions to make sure that y'all get all the content y'all want from the Pound Perspective and College Kings. Once it makes it to return very soon, we'll be getting that Nate Dog Sports. As well as this is presented by Nate Dog Sports. Sorry, but go follow Nate Dog Sports on all social media platforms as well. And stay on the lookout. The Pound Perspective draft pod is on the way, and we'll keep the, the Pound Perspective going as well. And like I said, College Kings is going to be back very, very soon. But that's that's all. That's not what we're talking about today, CDO. We got to talk about championship week a couple weeks ago. The Pro Bowl. Is it dead? We're going to have to talk about that. We're going to have to talk about that because uh, I don't know. I watched. I watched. I watched the flag football. It was not the worst thing. Got to see you some highlights. It? I watched a little bit. I didn't watch all. I didn't watch all of it. Um, I'm about to say, man, you you're a brave soul for watching that. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was. I watched the women's flag football. There you go. Hey, CDM watching representing, but uh, I did it's not. Pretty dope. I, it's pretty cool. Um, but obviously, we're gonna t- talk about all of that, and then of course, coaching hires. No more spots available. Bill Belichick and Mike Rabel left out. What is, how does that make any sense? We're going to talk about all of that and some big Great offensive coordinators hired as well. Um, obviously, Jim Harbaugh landing with the Chargers. Got to kind of give our takes on that. And, yeah, so, so there's some rumbles around the league when it comes to maybe some, some legends moving on. You know, maybe moving on. But we'll talk about all of that. And, of course, we'll give you all a little bit of draft previewing and stuff. Obviously, last week was the Senior Bowl. A lot of a lot of big names coming out of there, and some some highlights uh, for some some talent. A lot of talent, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in this draft, especially when it comes to the seniors. So we'll talk about some of those things that we saw there, and of course, there's some other football news that we'll be hitting, and then our Super Bowl prediction. All right, that's enough talking about everything we're going to talk about. Let's get into it. It's time, CDM. It is time. It's rock and roll, brother. Let's get into this, man. It's it's time to recap what happened on NFC Championship and the AFC Championship. We're going to start with the AFC Championship game as the Kansas City Chiefs. They just can't be stopped, bro. They just cannot be stopped. Lamar had one job. We all saw the memes. We saw all the memes out there. And, you know, Lamar had one job that, that they're representing Mahomes. Names there. on the back. Names on the back. That's all that needs to be said. Yep. Man can't be stopped. Man, it's too much for the people. Can't be stopped until this Sunday. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it so much. But um, no, man, it was a. It was an interesting game. It was fun, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. But the one, I mean, Lamar had one job. He had one job. We all we wanted the the Lamar edits that were going around social media of. Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, Brittany Mahomes, and Patrick, and all the Chiefs Nation. 
and all the and, and I mean all those Lamar edits were just getting out of hand at one point. It's just like, man, <laughs> now it's Brock. He be, he's got to win. Like after all of this, he has to win this game. And you know they kind of fell up short, man. I just don't know why they kept passing the ball downfield mm. when primarily they were a like run the ball downfield type of like type of team. I mean Lamar Lamar Jackson had a couple of plays where he, I mean when he got the ball in his hands, you couldn't stop him and you couldn't bring him down. And then you hand the ball off to Gus Edwards as well, and he's getting 10, 11 yards a carry. Mm. And then they just switch it up to pushing the ball downfield. Trying to get Lamar Jackson and uh, you know free up some coverage, uh, break up some of that coverage, but at the end of the day, I mean the uh, Kansas City Chiefs just came out on top. I mean Lamar, Patrick Mahomes is he he made some outstanding plays, but then you have to look at Travis Kelsey outside that also helped out tra- uh, helped out Patty get to get to the point where they're at right now, and that's going back to defend their Super Bowl title. And there's some other things in that game that kind of pushed me on edge. Um, one of the things being the uh, was well, Trey uh, Zay Flowers getting in trouble, uh, getting penalized for taunting, mm. and a lot of people in the league, or you know, Pat McAfee said on the show, and a lot of uh, other players, Joe Burrow being one, saying, "Let the boys taunt, man. Mm. Like, let them play football. And it's not, it's man. not like, his. Geez. I mean, like, it's not, it's not killing you to uh, let you know a little flex on them after you just get moss, but then after that happens, um, he." fumbles in the end zone and that's kind of just what changed the whole momentum for that game yes they did they didn't let the chiefs score in the second half ravens defense played outstanding in the second half but they just the offense did not look like the offense that played this entire season yeah i mean you you said it you said it right there when it comes to what happened with the the ravens man watching that game it was just kind of insane to see you know all season we talked about how different the ravens were and how how this team can pass the ball when they needed to and and the shift in the Todd Munkin offense and and but all season they were still that run team they're still the Ravens they still run heavy and Gus Edwards had two carries and they were both big carries and that's all he had he, he didn't touch the ball they didn't run the ball enough at all and in a game like that 17-10 score it's like what the heck's going on like just like that was the game you were in that kind of a game run it, was, the ball. it was a run yeah, game run it the damn ball it was literally, it's that, it's not a shootout. It's not, let's put this all on Lamar's arm. And they did so, and it was, it was the weirdest thing that I've, I've seen, man, when it comes to that. And I was really shocked with the Ravens game plan offensively. I don't like what, I did not like what I saw from Todd Munkin. Obviously that that's the entire coaching staff, not just Munkin, but did not love that. You laid it out perfectly, like run team. And they didn't run the ball in the biggest game of the season enough, at least. And, and when it comes to, the whole taunting situation. I'm glad you brought it up because like, listen, we don't want anything dirty, no dirty taunts. Like we get that. Like there's a, there's a line that you can't cross. Yeah, it's different. If he's like, if you're on the ground and the dude shoving his crotch in your yeah, face, like t- that's, that's stuff. different. Yeah, but I'm getting up and flexing on him. Cause I just dropped the ball. Like, in his face. It's like, you. Dude, it's like, come on. It, it, yeah. It's uh, my biggest thing when it comes to all of this, when it comes to a situation like that, the end of the day, NFL, they're making a lot of money. These players love the sport. They love football. Any sport, any athlete, they're playing because they love the game. But guess what? It's also an entertainment business. That is exactly what the NFL is, the NBA is, MLB, all these sports, the hockey. You can talk about all of them. It's entertainment at the end of the day. And, yes, the athletes are the most important people, but without the fans, it's nothing. And taunting, celebrating, those are things that are entertaining. 
that brings in eyes. I know the NFL does. They've got plenty of eyes. They've they're hitting 50 million, 60 million people are watching these these playoff games, and it's probably gonna go over 100 million for the Super Bowl as always because it's just every year it gets bigger. But plus you add in Taylor Swift into that as well. I'm I'm telling you, man. It's like this sport is so massive. So I understand. Like, all right, we don't need like entertainment's already there. They're already coming, but. Those are those things that, as football fans, like that gets you going, man. Uh, yeah, man, it's that, all part of the game. It's all part of the game, and I hate that that part has been taken out. There's a line. We understand what that line is as fans, as athletes, but that one was like, oh, oh, I get the rule books, and probably, yes, by the rules, it's, it is it is probably worth a flag, but like that's a rule that we need to kind of – Let's get that one out. Let's get that one out, and let's, let's yeah, start let's, fresh. It's man. not worth a flag for standing up and flexing on him. That's all he did. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he threw the ball down at him. I mean, he just stood up and flexed. But that's. I mean, there's a lot of other things that went into that game for them to lose. It is. But I yep. mean, 100. At the end of the day, Chiefs are just. I mean, Chiefs are a different team, man. They, Chiefs are a different team when it comes to playoffs. When it comes to the playoffs, dude. Have you looked at Patrick Mahomes' playoff record? It's it's ridiculous, bro. It's insane. It's insane. Well, my thing. I mean, when it comes to this Chief team, it's like, and Pat McAfee the, 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 had Travis Kelsey on, and and he said, "Hey, Pat, you started the Chiefs is the Chiefs. At the end of the day, they're going to be the Chiefs in the biggest moments." And and when it comes to Travis Kelsey, we got a little bit of a a statistic chart here. His last twelve playoff games. This is what he has done, y'all. That is insane numbers, 104 catches, eleven over 1,100 receiving yards, and 13 touchdowns in 12 games, y'all. That is maddening. Maddening. Just Talk about being the biggest security blanket of all time. I mean, he's, he's ridiculous, man. I mean, tra- what Travis Kelsey can do on the field is bar none unstoppable. And we don't see a lot of those kinds of players. And w- the question comes down to what makes this Chiefs team different? We've seen them explosive offense, have to carry the defense at times. We've seen moments where the defense didn't make plays and they made mistakes that, you know, kind of messed them up. They weren't able to get to a Super Bowl or they weren't able to win a Super Bowl. We've seen that in the past, and this team is different because they're actually relying on that defense. They're relying on that run game. They have a legit number one running back in Pacheco. That's what makes this team different. This is not the same old Chiefs where Patrick Mahomes has to throw up 50 times and have about 10 Superman plays to win a game. This is not that. This is not that. This is is smash mouth. They got an elite secondary. The front seven is not as good as that secondary. That secondary is elite. And they can run the ball. Mm-hmm. And they're not afraid to run the ball. For once, it feels like they're like, oh, we would rather play this kind of a game. Like They, they out-Raven the Ravens last week with how they yeah. played that game. And that's my biggest thing is when it comes to what makes this team different than there's other Super Bowl runs. They're, they're playing a different kind of a style. And I, I've heard Travis and Pat have some interviews over the last couple of weeks kind of like it was middle of the season. I think they lost to I can't remember who they lost to. I cannot I don't want to say who it was, but they lost to a team and they pretty much were like in the locker room like, "Hey guys, we we got to change something. Like we got to become the alphas. We got to become the dogs. We can't we can't out finesse these teams right now. We don't got that kind of a skill set." And uh, it was probably after they lost to the Raiders. I think it was. I think it was that game. And like they just kind of like turned to switch on and change their style and and it wasn't it wasn't a conversation like we're gonna do this this and this it was just kind of a mentality switch and, and like we saw it we saw it uh, in a situation 
uh, CDM with uh, old Justin Tucker. The Ravens came in with an attitude, but the Chiefs said, we're not getting pushed around. Let's take a look at this uh, early on from, from Justin Tucker and, the, and KC. A little moment here. Patrick Ooh, Mahomes. Kicking up the kickstand right kicking there. Kicking the kickstand there. Hey, you're in my way. You're in my way. Hey, I Trying get it as a quarterback. Games over here, Justin you don't, Tucker. Hey, you don't want anybody – you don't want anything, anything under your legs as a kicker. That's kind of a, a, a rule. You don't want to twist your ankle or anything. And, you know, talking some smack. I love it from Justin Tucker, first of all. Love I like that he's mentality. playing mind games with him, trying to get under their skin, throw him off groove. It's exactly but what then Patrick Mahomes, But Patrick Mahomes and uh, Travis Kelsey don't take that pretty lightly. You see him tossing all of his stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. He's coming back over, but then here's where it gets saucy right here. Is yeah. Travis comes over, grabs all of his stuff, helmet, ball, Kickstand throws it all out of his way. Yeah, you'll you'll get a load of a shot here of the helmet, and it, it's a listen. This is another moment of entertainment at its finest, man. That right there is what we tune into. Like that comes back to the taunting. Like we're not throwing a flag for that. Obviously, the game hasn't even come close to starting, but it's like no one's getting fined for that. No one's getting in trouble for that. Yeah. Like, come on, Mm-mm. this is no, entertainment, like, guys. I don't know, man. It- I don't know either, man. It's insane the way that uh, it just it just blows my mind that that's a penalty. But I mean, besides that, I like the way Tra- I like the way uh, you know, Travis and them went back and you know gave it to him. Uh, he came out on his podcast mm-hmm. and said, you know, if you want to play, I mean, if you want to be a dick, I'll be a dick right back yeah. to you. Just don't expect it to be friendly, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean they were in a mindset, you know, they're in a mindset. This is the AFC Championship game. Justin Tucker knew what he was doing. I mean, it's the way he's going to prepare. But at the end of the day, you know. Chiefs came out on top of the dub, going back to the Super Bowl to defend their title. Now, the big, a quick question is: Will Lamar Jackson ever win a Super Bowl? Ever again? That's a big question. Mm. At ever, like, I mean, right now it's his first AFC Championship to be in, second time being the one seed. Probably, gonna, uh, more than likely, is going to win the MVP this year. And it kind of reminds me of the first time Lamar made the playoffs, mm. won the season MVP, was the one seed. But got knocked out of the divisional round by a sneaky Titans team that went on to play in an AFC championship game. It's just this time they got caught slacking, man. And, you know, the way Lamar Jackson being the most explosive player, one of the most explosive players in the NFL, will have more opportunities to play for a Super Bowl. And I do, I do think that he will go play for a Super Bowl. It will be for the Ravens. They're not going to let him go. They're not going to, you know, have a chance of him going to somebody else. He will win a Super Bowl for the Ravens. It's just going to take some time. You know, it's going to take time to re- uh, build that offense up around him, maybe get maybe another young wide receiver. Because, you know, I mean, they have Zay Flowers they drafted. They have Odell. And they have, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh uh, the tight and Nelson tight end, and yeah, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Likely and uh, uh, Mark Andrews as well. I mean, they, I mean, they could still. They have so much time. That team is so young. I believe that Lamar Jackson's can go go play for a Super Bowl and win it for sure. Yeah, that was a question. After you know, obviously, we'll we'll kind of get into the whole situation with Dan Campbell talking about how you it's it's hard to get back here and it really is I mean for Lamar for this to be his first AFC championship game and for the first one for the Ravens in a long time they've hosted and stuff it's like it's like it's hard to get here it's it, the Ravens and how good Lamar is shows how difficult it is to get here and you got anomalies in the Super Bowl you got Patrick Mahomes for the last five years has been to the Super Bowl absolutely just ridiculous does not make any sense and you got Brock Purdy second year back-to-back NFC Championship games. Now he's in the Super Bowl. It, we're witnessing anomalies. Like it, it is 
so hard to get to that game, the NFC or AFC championship mm-hmm. game. So I get the conversation. It is so hard to get. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees only have one Super Bowl, man. I mean, that's ridiculous. Those two yeah. ridiculously talented players. Peyton Manning. Two Hall two. of Famers. Elon Manning. You know, it's like these guys, it's hard to get there. It's so hard. And so I get the conversation, but how good Lamar is and how good this Ravens team is. And I know they have a lot of turnover with coaching and stuff. I mean, that's every single great team. Every team loses their coordinators. That's good. You know, every great team loses them. But um, when it comes to them making it back, it, it, it's just hard for me not to believe that they can ever, you know, make a Super Bowl and for Lamar not to win one because mm-hmm. John is a, he's a legend. He's He knows what it takes to get there. And listen – they're going to get better. They're going to get better. They had no running backs pretty much. All their great running backs were hurt. I mean, they picked up Dalvin Cook going into the playoffs. and Yeah, that's how desperate they got. They got pretty desperate. So they were beaten up, but every team is beaten up. Don't want to take anything away from the Chiefs. Will Lamar ever get to a Super Bowl and win one? I think he can get to one. Winning one, obviously, that's a whole entire who they playing against type of thing. But I do believe mm-hmm. he will be back in an ASC championship very soon, and he will have a chance to win a Super Bowl very soon. So, um, yeah. I'm a big Lamar fan. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Even though he was really, really, really terrible, honestly, like not good at all in that Chiefs game. Um, it comes down to play calling, uh, situationally, and you know, listen, these things happen. It's not always perfect, and and uh, hey, shout out to the Chiefs. They just keep on winning, brother. Or inevitable. Shout out to the defending champs. But going on to the next <laughs> championship weekend game mm. is a crazy one, man. Mm. It's crazy. It was. Probably the best championship game I've seen in the past couple of years. The San Francisco 49ers complete the comeback against the brand new Lions. Mm. There were some questionable moments for the Lions, but man, how did you feel about this game and the way the 49ers handled that adversity to make that comeback? Man, I mean, ridiculous, right? When you when you think about it and you know how that game was going, and we we were watching it. My parents' house, and I mean, that first half, I was there was literally that moment where you're like sitting back and you say, Holy crap, the Lions are about to go to the freaking Super Bowl. And there, mm-hmm. there is a moment in that game where you're saying to yourself, like, Oh my God, are we, yeah, we are we texting. witnessing this? We were texting each it, other. We were. And it's like, Are we really witnessing this? Is this actually about to happen? And then I said, I think it, I, I mean, I said, I think it can, but I mean, I didn't, it wasn't far fetched. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that. That was not a far fetched take. Like, that could have, it was a possibility for like the first 30 minutes. You were just everybody in the country. Eminem being at Levi stadium was set on that team going to the Super Bowl. man. And it shout out that that's one of those like moments that people really like the whole Brock Purdy thing. And I'm not going to go too crazy on Brock Purdy. We're going to, we got a video we're going to show in a second after this, but like for him to do what he's doing for him to, really not play good in those first two quarters of both of those games he's played against Green Bay and the Lions. Really not play great. He didn't play great until pretty much the fourth quarter against Green Bay. Second half, he turns it on, and uh, that third quarter was the game. That's where the game was won for the 49ers. You know, that's yeah. that's where the entire— those Oh, two my turnovers, gosh, LeBron The two turnovers James. that they got that was able to— uh, they able to go down there and score off of two turnovers and change the momentum of the game. That's where they really won. And, like, going back to the— Packers game. I mean, when it came down to a two-minute drill, Brock Purdy turned it on. I mean, he was the best. I mean, he came out there and just, you know, led his team down there. 
I'm going to guess LeBron did something good. Oh, yeah, he dunked on somebody. I love it. Um, But, uh, okay. it, it, yeah, classic, you know, 39, whatever. Classic. Um, But, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> hey. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, watching it, like I said, there was moments where you really think the Lions are going to do it, and then the 49ers in that third quarter changed the trajectory of the game, and it, it really comes down to, obviously, the big controversy around the game is Dan Campbell's decision-making late in that game. Uh, and yeah, it is something you could question, obviously. So we're going to take a look. We're going to take a listen here to Dan Campbell, what he's got to say after the game. He's going to be talking about his decision-making here, if he regretted it. And, and he had some comments as well after that about how hard it is to get to here. We were just talking about that with, you know, the Ravens possibly making it. So we're going to take a listen here to Dan Campbell after uh, in there. It wasn't post-game, but it was the day after press conference. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, and I wanted to get the upper hand back, um, you know, and it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't, we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out, but I just, I don't, I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. Um, but, you know, we just, just didn't work out. This may have been our only shot. Do I think that? No. Do I believe that? No. However, I, I know how hard it is to get here. I, I'm well aware. And it'll be. It's going to be twice as hard to get back to this point next year than it was this year. That's, that's the reality. And if we don't have the same hunger and the same work, which is a whole other thing, once we get the offseason, um, then we got no shot of getting back here. I don't care how much better we get or what we add or what we drive. It's irrelevant. Um, it's going to be tough. Everybody in our division is going to be loaded back up. And, uh, you know, you're not hiding from anybody anymore. Everybody's going to want a piece of you, and, uh, which is fine. You know, which is fine. But um, so it's hard. You want to make the most of every opportunity. And we, we had an opportunity and we just couldn't close it out. It's, it does. It stings. It stings. So, yeah. Why is his nose so red? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was him kind of talking about it all. And, you know, the decision making was the, obviously the biggest takeaway, the biggest controversy in that game, you know, when it comes to. Was it right? What, what did he make the right decisions? And like he said, hindsight is is twenty twenty, brother. We always say that, you know, after every single game when a decision, you know, doesn't work out, and everyone's kind of bashing him. But it's like, dude, it these decisions are tough. And I'll start us off real quick here when it comes to the decision making of the second half. I don't think Dan Campbell did anything wrong. Were the decisions the greatest decisions? No. But he stuck to his guns. That is what Detroit has done all season, and that's why they were in that game is because they played that style of football, and it worked out for them all season. And guess what? It didn't work out in the biggest moment. That sucks. I understand. But he stuck true to his guns. That team has played with that mentality all season. If they have a chance to go for it, they're going to go for it. And it's not worked out in the past. It's not like this is not the first time it hasn't worked out. We obviously had that controversy in the game with the uh, substitution of a player and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I understand the controversy and the scrutiny towards Dan Campbell, but let's give him some props. You know, not 
not changing his philosophy in the biggest moments because that's a big thing with these coaches is they don't know who they are. Biggest thing with Brandon Staley is he knew what he wanted to do, didn't work out, and then he changed his, completely changed his philosophy. He doesn't even know what he wants to do as a coach. Dan Campbell, you know what he wants to do. He wants to be a physical guy. He wants to out-physical the, next, the team against him. He wants to be the dogs on the field. And you know what? He's going to take risks. He's going to take those risks because he believes in his team. And he didn't stop believing. And I love that. I think it was a great coaching decision to stick true to your guns. Was it the greatest decision in that moment? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, you'd probably say it wasn't the greatest decision. But... I appreciate the Detroit Lions sticking true to their guns and, you know, believing in the team that they believed in all season. That's a big thing that Dan Campbell has been saying all year. Yeah. Uh, I, I understand. And, like, I understand where you're coming from, you know, sticking to your guns. And if you take the opportunity to go for it, I kind of have to disagree, man. Mm-hmm. I think you, in that situ- in that type of situation, a fourth and eight, you got to try and live to fight for another down. Yep. especially with the way the defense was playing through that entire game. Yeah, they kind of gave up in the second half, but they were up by a lot. But at the end of the day, you know, live to fight another down. That that 49ers offense was starting to cook after that first turnover that they got. You didn't know what to expect to happen on Detroit's side of offense because they started slowing down. They started to be cooled off. In that first half, they were on fire. Uh, they came out. They came out in the second half still with a little bit of fire uh, lit under them. But at the end of the day, I mean – San Frank came in there and just did what they did. I mean, ran that ball, chewed that clock, like managed that game the way they wanted it to go. But for him to go for it on fourth down blew my mind, especially throwing it to Reynolds. Reynolds did not have the best game because he had some key drops in that game too. I mean, there was one where he was wide, like over the middle, wide open, could could have ran it up and got a touchdown. It hit him right here in the hands, dropped it. Absolute just travesty. But I understand that this deep, uh, this uh, Lions team came into this game, came into the season with a lot of grit, especially Dan Campbell being the kind of head coach that he is, being aggressive, up point, wants to you know play hard-nosed football and take all the opportunities. But there has to be a realization where you know, hey, maybe right now we're we have some opportunity to possibly play for another down and get the ball back. Because if they do that, they pin they they would have had a chance to either kick the field goal or pin Detroit or, or pin the 49ers back, which they probably should have kicked the field goal because it would have uh, brought it up by three, I think. It would have brought it up by three or ten by the time the uh, 49ers scored again. But uh, at the end of the day, Dan Campbell stuck to his guns and made the right decision. But in my opinion, it was not the safest decision to make, especially the, at the point of the game it was being up by that many points and San Fran's starting to catch a little bit of more momentum, catch lightning in a bottle and run. And that's what they did when they got those two. All they needed was two major turnovers and they would be back in that game. And they got the two stops they needed. And then Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy being that man, taking it, taking it under the gut, taking his, uh, take, uh, letting his wings fly Mm. and taking the 49ers down there. Everybody on that 49ers team played great. And they, I think they just softened up that Detroit's defense. I mean, they were on the field so much during that second half. The offense barely touched the field, and that's what tires them out. The defense is going to get tired out having to stay out there, watch the clock drain so much and not have any time left for your offense to get down there. And, I mean, you know, you know the type of ball Shanahan plays. You know the type. It's going to be run the ball, run the ball, play action over the middle or throw it over the top. And they kind of took away some of those deep shots that they always want 
to George Kittle, to Debo, to Brandon Ayuk, which Brandon Ayuk made an amazing grab that should have ended up being a pick. I've never seen someone's, I've never seen a ball get bounced off of someone's face mask yeah. and end up being a 50 yard reception. And then that leads to the first, that, that leads to the first score. That was the first turnover. But after that second turnover, man, it just, I knew the momentum changed completely. After that, I just knew the Lions were kind of just doing everything they could possibly to find a way to win this game. And it just came down to a really, really boneheaded decision, in my opinion. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And when you look back at it and it's like, um, if if he did that, it's like, I don't know, man. They had such a big lead and and for them to blow it and that 17 to nothing in the third quarter, it's just tough. It's tough to get outscored like they did in that second half. And shout out, though, you brought it up. Brock Purdy, greatest is that the greatest game manager of all time, CDM? I don't even know if you classify as a game manager. Oh, anymore, man. I don't know uh, if you classify. Him, I man. agree I mean, with you there. Play, he's I going agree. to play for a Super Bowl now. Dang right. Uh, I, I, I mean, will the say only though. game manager, the only game manager that you could say that goes to a Super Bowl is Trent Dilfer <laughs> there from you that go. 2000 Ravens team. <laughs> That's a game manager. <laughs> That's a that. game manager. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's a baller, man. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy's a dog. How do you go from mystery relevant to going to play for a Super Bowl mm. within a year span? This is his second year in the league. And yes, everybody talks about this 49ers defense being great. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo was on this mm. team when the San Francisco 49ers mm. still had su- the same defense. Mm. And yet again, they made a Super Bowl and didn't win. Mm. They had an amazing season. And Jimmy Garoppolo didn't even play his best ball. Brock Purdy makes better plays than Jimmy Garoppolo ever did in his career as a San Francisco 49er. And that does not include him being carried by the defense. That includes him. Sometimes Brock had to carry the defense. Sometimes Brock had to make plays and able to win games and not rely on the defense getting all the stops. And that's what happened. I mean, you, as I said before, the Green Bay Packers game. Play, uh, the team in general did not play good all game long until that two-minute drill at the end of the fourth quarter where Brock Purdy made all the made made the plays he needed to make to go down there and score and, and get a, a game-winning field goal. So, no, I don't think he's a game manager anymore, bro. I think he is starting to blossom into what we all did not expect him to be. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, nobody I, expected mystery relevant to come out of nowhere and be a top ten quarterback. Yeah, no. Uh, well, I'm gonna play this video because I love the mentality the 49ers have adopted with this whole slander game manager. It, it's become a negative term in sports and with football, and it, I love the mentality that his teammates have, have have adopted. You know, embracing it. You know, saying screw y'all. Like, all right, if, if we're going to call him the, a game manager, he's the greatest game manager of all time. So let's see yeah. what, uh, let's see what some of his teammates, Nick Bosa and Fred Warner had to say about, uh, oh, Brock Purdy here. I mean, what can you say about Brock Purdy and his performance tonight? Heck of a game manager. Wow. Man, is the heck out of that game, boy. <laughs> he the reason we're going to have a chance to win us a ring. I love him. I don't pay attention to the media much, but whoever's talking shit about Brock Purdy, what, what do you have now? Oh, okay. Well, listen. And what message do you feel like Brock Purdy sent with this type of game? He's the best game manager in the league. I mean, what can you say about? <laughs> I, I mean, love it. I love it. The, did you see the uh, Did you see the chat that uh, Nick Bosa and Brock Purdy shared in the yes, locker room? Yes. I wanted to put that yeah, in the pod. Yeah. I just couldn't. I, I couldn't find uh, it in time. Uh, I, it was. It was good. Well, Nick Bosa. Uh, yeah, Nick Bosa came up to Brock Purdy, you know, and just looked at him and said, "Did you ever think you would?" 
be this good? Did you ever think that that you were po- that you could possibly be like this? And Brock was like, I think I could be better. Mm. That's a that's a championship. I almost who I almost screwed up there. That is a championship mentality right there. That is a championship wannabe guy. And I mean, I, Nate, I'll let you take it over, man. I, I mean, do you think he's a game manager now? Do you think he has the title of game manager? I'm so so freaking sick and tired of the Brock Purdy slander. It is tiring defending this guy at this point because, listen, this guy, you said it, this guy is in his second season as an NFL quarterback. Second season. And they expect him to be the greatest quarterback in the league. They want him to be top five immediately. Mm -hmm. Comes with the expectations of being on a great team of the 49ers. The next, the next, thing that you could say about him. Oh, it's the best system in the league. Any quarterback could win in this system. All right, well, let's look at the quarterbacks that have not won a Super Bowl in the system. Jimmy Garoppolo was in this system, barely did anything, and guess what? They went to a Super Bowl and lost. He did nothing in that Super Bowl. Oh, he had one moment where he could win the game. Deep ball to Emmanuel Sanders. Guess what? He missed him. Launched it over. He missed him. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo, he was never supposed to be a Super Bowl, Super Bowl quarterback. He's, he's a game manager. He's a game manager. Oh, well, how about this guy they traded their entire life savings for, Trey Lance? Oh, he's going to be the guy. He can win in this system. Any quarterback can win in this system. The guy can't win in the system. He gets traded. He gets traded out of the city. He's a backup for Dak Prescott at the Dallas Cowboys. I'm so sick and tired of hearing this crap about how any quarterback can win in this system when we've seen quarterbacks not win in this system. I'm so done. I'm so sick and tired of it. Every single good team is in this system. Every single good team. The Chiefs have their own system, but the Miami Dolphins is a branch off of this system. You have teams throughout the entire league that live and die on the Kyle Shanahan system, and they just, they aren't in the Super Bowl. Mm. They aren't in the Super Bowl. Not yet. I'm so sick and tired of this crap that people are talking about, yeah, the weapons. Yeah. All right. He was drafted here. He didn't ask to have all these weapons. He's very grateful. I know that. <laughs> I know I would be grateful when I had Debo Samuel. Oh, dude, I, I, Brandon I, I, I Ayuk, would be George very Kittle, grateful to have Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. my running back. Come on, dude. It's so, it's so stupid that he gets punished for being on a team with a bunch of talent. Not like he picked that team. He got drafted there. And guess what? He beat out two guys and took their job, obviously, after injury. But he won that job. He earned that job. So I'm sick and tired of it. He's a second-year player, and he's still developing, becoming a better player. And if they lose this Super Bowl, it's all they're going to be talking about is Brock Purdy wasn't good enough, especially if he has a bad game. And it's going to be so annoying to defend this guy because I I believe he can be a great quarterback in this league. But I'm done. I'm done with the slander. This guy is elite-ish. All right, hang on. He is becoming an elite quarterback with how he is able to manage the game and how he is able to throw the ball in a keyhole, dude. He is so precise. His timing is exceptional. And he makes throws that are just like, <laughs> like, tell me five other quarterbacks that can make that throw, dude. And it's like, it's hard. It's hard. What, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen? Brady. It's like, how many, how many quarterbacks can make certain throws that this guy makes? And it's like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm so sick and tired of it. Yes, he's still got a lot to improve on. And yeah, he could not play as bad as he's played in the first half against the Chiefs and expect to win. That's not going to oh, happen. No. You can't do no, that against the Chiefs. You can't. You can't. And last thing I'm going to say, you said it. Uh, I'm not going to reiterate it too hard, but 
there's been situations, like you said, where the 49ers defense had to carry this team into a game, into a Super Bowl. We saw it with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's carrying this team. He's the only reason they're in this Super Bowl. You said exactly. it. The Green Bay game, he clutched up when he needed to. They were down big against the Lions, and he shows up in the second half and dominates. I'm done. I'm done. I will defend Brock Purdy as long as I can. I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback in the league, but I'm sick and tired of people acting like anyone could be dropped into this system and be great. We've seen it, and it not work. So that's the last thing I'm going to say about Brock Purdy. I love the guy. I will defend him for a long, long time unless he starts playing like absolute ass. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. No, nah, nah, I don't see that happening right now. But, yeah, I mean, we all – I think the whole rest of the nation can agree that this Brock Purdy slander has to come to an end. It's done. Pat McAfee has said it multiple times. He's tired of it. Everybody's tired of it. Okay, I, I feel the same way about my boy right here. Thank but we're not talking about him right now. Okay, <laughs> that's a different. That's a different. Subject. I get it. <laughs> uh, this guy, but no, yeah, like the slander has to stop. Okay, I mean he's not anywhere near uh, Allen, Lamar, or Patrick right now. But he's slowly getting there. He's getting- you have to give him time, though. You have to give him time. Give him another two years, and I promise you he'll be a top-five quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Give the guy some time. I know he's supposed to win immediately, but it's like he doesn't have to play like Patrick Mahomes to be the best uh, a top-five quarterback. He can be his yeah. own quarterback and still be a top-five quarterback. He's still sneaky athletic. He's got skills, man. I love Brock Purdy, and I love what he brings. His moxie is my favorite thing. It's like he's never afraid. Yeah. Never afraid. But I'm, it's my soapbox. I'm so sick and tired of the the slander of Brock Flurry. All right, all right, see him. Let's uh, let's roll this thing along. Uh, we got some controversy though with the Super Bowl, as we remember last year there was some uh, situations with the grass on the the wait, grass wait, wait, wait. for the field. I have a quick question though. I have a quick question. Yeah, what's quick up? Question: Do you think the Lions can get back to next year? Get back to where they were next year? Yeah, as I mean, Dan Campbell said. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I mean, it, it really comes down to you know. The biggest thing is, like he said, are they going to have the same mentality? They're going to have pretty much the entire team back. It's all about mentality, you know, coaching. They're bringing back their coaches, it looks like. Aaron Glenn and and Ben Johnson are not going anywhere. So you're bringing back all your coordinators. It's just crazy in today's time. You know, with yeah, the tur- bringing back both your coordinators <laughs> after a season like that. Yeah, coaching, crazy. coaching turnover is absolutely insane right now. I think, ah, I wish I had the stat. I don't think there's been an offensive coordinator in the league that has kept his jobs uh, since, like, I think 2020 or 2021. I yeah, I saw that stat. It's dude. ridiculous. It's, insane. it's like after one season, a coordinator will be – yeah. each team will like The longest tenured is they don't stay. They just don't stay. So, um, with that being said, their coaches are back. Most of their you know, players are going to be back. Their rookies are going to be another year in. They're going to be better. Derek Goff has another year under his belt. If they come back with that same mentality – Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. They're fighting. They're fighting. Get it. Hockey. Yeah, I'm watching hockey, you know. Lakers are beating the crap out of the Hornets, thank God. Come on, get him, son. Lakers get are him. Yes, right sir. Lakers are yes, sir. Yeah, take him down. Okay, continue. Sorry, you were talking about the practice facilities. Yeah, so let's uh, let's move on. Let's move on here. Uh, we got some reports coming out of 
Las Vegas. This is in the city here. That uh, there is some controversies with the practice field at UNLV, which is where the 49ers are at. The Chiefs are at the Raiders practice facility. So there's a little bit of a, a report that's been coming around the internet web that the field conditions for the 49ers at UNLV have been met with widespread disapproval from various members of the organization. The NFL put in a sod field on top of the field turf and started laying it uh, just uh, last week when the NFL ordinary ordinarily requires Super Bowl practice fields to be met certain standards in December. Oh, wow. So that's interesting. Okay. I didn't realize that that's usually a thing that they do have it in. Oh. Yeah. Why would they wait till the, why would they wait till last week to put the field in? Right, that's a little weird. That's a little weird. Yeah. So they could This is, uh, this is the weird thing though. Me and CD were talking about for the pod, the NFL hardness score. So there's a score that these fields get that they have. All right. So the hardness score for the fields average is 78 with no field being less than 70. And the 49ers field is considered in the fifties sources have told Adam Schefter. So first of all, take that with a grain of salt. We don't know how true everything is, but yeah, he went on Pat McAfee today, Adam Schefter and started talking about the 49ers are pissed. Like it's, they are mad. They don't like the field. Like they, it is a, True statement, they don't like the field when it comes to the scoring and stuff. I don't know how true that is, but... I don't know I don't know how that goes, though. Like, I just don't know how you score a field on hardness. Like, I feel yeah. like, I mean, the Chiefs play in the... Ra- the Chiefs play the Raiders twice every year. So, I mean, they're always... They're going to be at the facility once a year. And it just confuses me of why they... Uh, why they get to practice there when they just can't split time practicing at the same facility. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is I understand interesting. There, I understand there's other things that probably comes to it mm-hmm. besides, you know, the, what am I trying to say? The uh, They probably practice the same time, so that's probably the problem there. Yeah. You know? I, I, I was going to say, like, uh, watching over practice, like, you know, making mm-hmm. sure practice is confined and not open to the, like, open to people walking around and yeah. seeing because you never know cheating can, Somebody mm-hmm. can just come by and just like right Spygate, got a Spygate. <laughs> yeah, you know, just could pull a Michigan over here and just go dress up and so do a yeah, Connor Stallions dress up with some San Fran gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, could totally do that. But yeah, I mean, I, I understand why they should be pissed off, but I, I just don't. I, it's just confusing to me. Like, I really don't know what to say about this because it's the weirdest thing about a hardening. It's the score for me that throws me off. But I can understand why the San Francisco 49ers should be pissed off about. You know where they have to train compared to where the uh, to where the Chiefs are training right now, and the different field conditions come to play. Yeah, man. I mean, it is weird, right? Because, like, I, mean, I don't know how. I mean, I first of all, I have heard about this hardness score. It's not like it's not like a thing I haven't heard of before in the in the past, but like, like. People talk about how terrible MetLife is, you know, how terrible the turf is. People get hurt on the field all the time. Um, yeah, I feel bad for the World Cup in 2026, man. Yeah, for real. That's weird. Yeah, that's, that's, that's weird gonna be, that it's going there instead of, like, Dallas or of, L.A. It's um, going to be a lot of, like, ACL tears. Yeah, they're going to be really a lot of mad people. But And, um, oh, man, I forgot what I was about to say. Dang it. Oh, no. San Francisco. Oh, no, no, no. The field. The field. Uh, when it comes to uh, the uh, field in London – that they play on in the London games. All the mm-hmm. players come back and talk about how hard that field is, how how it's it doesn't give at all, and that the soccer fields are different, that they are a little bit harder. And for football players, it kind of sucks. Like, they don't really like playing on that field. So I've heard of this thing before, like this whole 
the field. And obviously last year with the Super Bowl and all the complaints about all these players slipping, we saw it. Players were slipping all over the place and stuff. So um, it's not like I've not heard of fields being a problem when it comes to hardness, slippage, and all that stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. the scoring and how real these scores are it's and how, weird. how bad is that field? Because, like, how bad can it be? They opinion. said they scored. Uh, I was watching Chef. I was watching Scheffner on the uh, McAfee show, and he said they scored the Raiders field at eighty. See, it's like how's that like, come? So like, I mean, Allegiant, Allegiant Stadium is ready. Like, I, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. It's an NFL. So does field. that mean like eighty is hard and fifty is like how? Do, like, where does this lean at? Like, does that mean yeah. eighty is let's not see. as hard as fifty? Let's see. All right, let's look it up. CDM, how? Let's see. Here we go. How does the well, – how do you even look that up? NFL hardness field uh-huh. hardness work. <laughs> All right. The NFL field testing program requires playing surfaces, surface hardness of both natural and synthetic turf fields to be measured with the Clegg Impact Tester. All right, so there's a testing system here. Let's learn about it. Oh, my God, mm-hmm. this is so much. Uh, that is so much. All right, that's like a whole entire report. Fields must be tested in multiple locations prior to every game. It must be below 100 G max at all locations. So there you go. That's a, an entirely different thing. Talk about 100. So what the heck is going on, bro? All right, so the Clegg test. We know now it's the Clegg There's test. There's so many tests. The Clegg test. Let's we're gonna we're gonna move on in just a sec. We're gonna. I hope you studied for the test. But <laughs> on. Yeah, no, dude, that's confusing as all get out. The Clegg test. Yep. All right. Yep. Impact soil tester. You know, it's a, just a it's a thing to so test. This soil. is when they. Yeah, I should have took my teacher seriously when they told me math was going to come in yeah. my favor. All life, right, jeez. Right there, that's where that right there is not. I don't even know how you scale that. Like that's insane. There's no telling. Uh, I've heard about it, but. I, I would love to know how bad the field is because I mean, we played sports, but I never, I never played on a great field, and I never played on. I mean, you played in high school, you played at Purvis, like that field. There's no telling what the score said about that field. It probably was like zero I mean, or something. It, <laughs> I don't know, dude. Like it didn't hurt when I fell. Like I mean, it hurt more on a turf field. I would say when we played at Oak Grove, yeah, there you we go. played on turf and. I mean, besides turf burn, that wasn't the biggest problem. It was just like falling down on it after it rained and it being humid was just. It, I mean, it didn't feel. It didn't feel good. I'll tell you that. It felt like I sometime. I, it felt like sometime I was hitting concrete. <laughs> but I mean, after you play on a humid, after you play in Mississippi and it just came a freaking flood and it's humid and you get on that wet turf, everything does not feel good. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. The atmosphere doesn't even feel good. I was about to say, it's like that just, at that at some point, it's just it's terrible all around. But. At some point, and then you get cramped, and you're just like, <laughs> I, I, I don't like this ah, anymore. This is not fun. But, uh, yeah, we, not just, fun. we just wanted to highlight that. It was weird and kind of con- controversy early on in this Super Bowl week. You know, here we go. I mean, this is just the beginning of crap happening. Just wait till media day. Someone's yeah. going to say something wrong. It's just, this is the beauty of this week. Controversies, topics to talk about. It's all it's it's Super Bowl week. It's Super Bowl week. Let's mm-hmm. enjoy it, brother. Let's enjoy it while it's here. But uh yeah, we just wanted to talk about that. Last little thing we're gonna talk about here when it comes to recapping is the Pro Bowl Dead Stadium. What the heck has happened to the Pro Bowl? Obviously, so you don't want these guys oh, getting Mark, hurt. Yeah. You don't want these guys yeah, getting no, hurt. No, but, you don't. But what's been going on? 
some of those games were fun, but the game itself is not it's not the same. But I do it, shout out Peyton Manning for trying to sort of keep this thing alive. But CDM, tell me, is if the Pro you Bowl bought dead? a ticket to go watch the Pro Bowl, <laughs> you're a bum. You're a freaking bum. If you would have bought a ticket to the Pro Bowl back in like 2014, 2015, you got your money's worth. You were going to watch a football game. I'm not paying that much money mm. to go spend my time out there to go watch flag football. <laughs> like the events, like the events that surround the game, like the tug of war, the obstacle challenge, the precision passing, all that stuff is fun. Yeah. But I remember when the Pro Bowl used to be. Just football, and that's what I put on Twitter. I put on Twitter. I was like, "When can are we? Can we put football back into the Pro Bowl instead of flag football, bro? It's just dead. It's not fun to watch anymore." I remember I went like my brother in law asked me what uh, asked me the uh, questions about the Pro Bowl, and I just started telling. I was like, "It's stupid now. Like it's lame." And then I went back on YouTube and I showed him some highlights. And the one highlight I had to show him. Sean Taylor's highlight in the Pro Bowl. That's the one thing. That's what the Pro Bowl is, man. I mean, it's I mean, it's football. I don't want to watch flag football. I want to watch what I'm used to watching. I want to watch people in pads going at each other just for a fun All-Star week, man. I mean, it's kind of turning in what the NBA does to their All-Star week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fun and all, but they're not trying their hardest. They're mm-hmm. not having fun. I mean, it's fun for them, but I'm not going to enjoy my time watching. No. I mean, I just I miss what the Pro Bowl used to be about. AFC versus NFC having actual game plans, full pads, just mm. play football. That's the only thing. I think the Pro Bowl, I think they should just get rid of it per se. I think they should just throw it to the wind. It's done unless they want to bring back actual football to it. Yeah, man. It, it, uh, I'm so conflicted because if you remember what the Pro Bowl became before they changed it to flag football, it was a joke. Like It was not football either. So, it was the, the conversation of, well, we want something. So they changed it to flag football. And you, there's some moments. Like the the, sh- the shroud throw to Chase was, that was a ridiculous throw. Beautiful. That was, that was beautiful. ridiculous. Pads or no pads. Unbelievable pass. I mean, that's just, you know, I mean, that was a awesome play. But Yeah, and two with throwing it to Tyreek. I mean, that was fun too. And there's there's moments, Ben, that's like, all right, this is awesome. Like you said, the events beforehand, the kick-tack-toe was really, really cool between Aubrey and Tucker. Tucker's still that guy. and Tucker's always going to be that guy. He's always going to be that guy. And Dan Orlowski getting the highest quarterback scored on the precision passing, that was interesting. Um, Man can still sling it. Man can still throw it. Man can still still play. Um, But like you said, it's not football. The biggest takeaway for me now is – and you talked about it, you know, the NBA had its lows, but recently they made those changes where players are incentivized. Like they're giving a mil a million dollars to win the game. You know, now these players, yeah. yeah, they might not play hard for the first two quarters, maybe not even the three first three quarters, but once that fourth quarter hits, they're playing oh, basketball. It's game on. They're like, playing basketball. Like, and yeah, the yeah. Pro Bowl yesterday, they started turning it on late. Like early on, it was a joke. Like I think the first like 30 minutes, literally I walked away for like 10 minutes and it was already 21 to 10, 20 or some crap like that. And I was like, what the heck guys? Like this is not, I mean, obviously the offense is going to win. They're so athletic now, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm so conflicted. I feel like the only way you can make this more entertaining is that you keep it flag football, even though I don't love it. They're not going to bring back old football because the players don't want to do it. Incentivize them. Like, even the quarterback challenge. Like, Darren Orlowski should never be the number one. He should never have the most points as a quarterback. Like, some of those quarterbacks were just going out there just throwing the ball. Just 
this, whatever. Baker hadn't thrown a ball yeah. since his interception, which, hey, I'm not asking these guys to practice for this thing, but, like, incentivize them. Maybe, get, you know, give them something to kind of strive for. You know, a million dollars to win this challenge, a million dollars to win the game or something. You know, NFL's got plenty of money to throw around. Let's not act like they ain't got it. You know, so if, if we want to make it more entertaining, I feel like, all right, let's, let's incentivize these players. And I feel like that could kind of give us something more entertaining to watch. I watched some of the, mm. the games, and some of them were fun. The, the catching as many balls as you could to, on the punts, that was pretty cool. That was uh, cool, too. That was it, cool. It was kind of fun to see how some of these players could think. I know the one guy, he had all the balls. He put one between his legs and caught that one and fell to the ground and had it. I can't yeah. remember who it was, um, but uh, that was awesome. That was a yeah. high IQ play. I, I, when I know, saw him do it, I was like, oh, nice play. I saw that one in, in B-dubs. But, uh, but, yeah, man, I mean, hey. Is the Pro Bowl dead? It's as close to it as it could be. Yeah. But but they can I still think they can bring it back. Like Peyton Manning doing what he did this week, kind of hyping it up, making it feel like it's more important than it's been in a long time. That was nice. You know, Peyton Manning kind of taking control of this thing because I've heard in the past about how Peyton Manning was he was the Pro Bowl when he was playing. Like he was what made it fun. Like he, oh, he yeah. would rent out Disneyland or when they would be going to Hawaii, he would rent out something and like, they made it super entertaining like Peyton went out of his way that's to make a, it more that's another thing too bring that thing back to Hawaii yeah. man like bring it back to the tropical state yeah. that's the fun part like who doesn't want to go to Hawaii the yeah Hawaii, like the locals don't like us apparently but I mean you get free football free football free football at Disney free was football. cool Disney was cool apparently Peyton rented out all of Disney for all the football players one day so that shows you how much money Peyton Manning has <laughs> well, I mean, he does have a lot of endorsements as well. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine how much money that man oh, has. You know, he's doing pretty well for himself. But oh yeah, for but sure. yeah, Pro Bowl. It's as dead as it's ever been. But don't get rid of it. Keep it around. I'd rather keep it around, and you know, at least there's something. There's no telling how terrible the ratings were because I know I didn't watch it. So I mean, I watched a little bit. I think I turned it on for about thirty minutes. I'm just saying, like, if you bought a ticket to that dude, you just you need you just wanted a free vacation to get out and do something. Yeah, you went to Disney World, and then the Pro Bowl. You went to Disney, no Disneyland. It, oh, I thought it was in Orlando. Oh, I thought it was in California. Was it? I, mm. It may have been in or no no it was in Orlando. I think it was. It was I think it was in yeah, Disney. It was World. in Orlando. But um, still interesting. A lot of people were talking about that. So, um, the Pro Bowl. Let's yeah. see. Let's see if they can keep that thing around for any longer. But see if they can still keep it going. Just yeah. bring back football. Hey, bring back football. CDM wants football. CDM wants football. All right, let's keep this thing rolling. CDM. Let's get to some coaches being hired. No more vacancies in the NFL anymore. The last of the. Openings have been filled. You know, these these teams have made their decisions, and obviously the big controversy around that is Bill Belichick and, you know, Mike Vrabel not getting the opportunity, but we're not going to talk about them right now. We're going to talk about the man himself, Jim Harbaugh, going to the Chargers. The personality of all personalities. He is a interesting person, I'll tell you that, and, you know, listen to him talk. He's another guy I can listen to talk all day, all day, every day. But uh, yeah. let's, let's, let's see what he had to say. His interview or his his uh, um, uh, introduction meeting interview uh, with the media this is one thing he had to say about his team out there in L.A. Justin Herbert, you, you you know you see, I mean he's a as well said on that video. I mean that's a that's a he's a crown jewel uh, in in the National Football League. Uh, Derwin James, there's another one. Uh, talking talk about somebody getting me fired up. I mean I mean let's go. 
You know, Justin Herbert walks up on you, you know, like, <laughs> okay, all right, this is awesome. Keenan Allen, you know, we got, uh, you know, we got guys. Uh, uh, Rashawn Slater, I mean, great to see, see him, I mean, in the, in the building, uh, you know, getting, getting the work in. And that's, that's been, the, that's been uh, what I, the feedback I've been getting in the communication with the players. Uh, they want to work. Justin Herbert, you, you, you know, you see. All right, that's him. Kind of talked about his team. He's got. I mean, he's got a squad. He's got a squad. They built got, that he's team got players well. everywhere, man. They've got him everywhere. So you know, you like to see you know, him talk about all those players, and obviously, he knows the talent they've got, the the the, the captains that they have on that squad, and um, CDM thoughts on you know Jim Harbaugh going to LA, and you know what can he bring for the Chargers uh, in next season. I love it, man. I love that he's got his chance to go back to the NFL now. I missed him being in the NFL a little bit because it was awesome having the, both the Harbaugh brothers stay there. Um, but I just love what he's going to bring to L.A. is going to be a winning mentality, a winning culture. I know, and especially getting there, he's getting there at the right time, in my opinion, because they have a franchise quarterback. Check that off the mark. You're done. You don't even have to worry about a franchise quarterback for – a couple of decades, I would say. Yeah, okay, but we all know how Jim Harbaugh is. Jim Harbaugh is kind of like I wouldn't say kind of like Dan Campbell, even though he is, you know, from Mich he went to Michigan. Um, but he likes to run the ball a little bit more. He likes to get, likes to w win in the trenches. He mm. likes to win up front. So I think he's going to bring, you know. Um, a tough mindset, a tough mentality to that team as well, being of, uh, you know, hey, we're here to put in that work and we're here to win. As he just said in the video, you know, he loves seeing those guys get hyped up. He loves seeing those guys get ready. And that, to me, as a head coach, is what you want to see when you walk through those doors is see your players' faces light up when they see you and you know, like, hey, they're going to put in 110% work today, 120% tomorrow, uh, so on and so forth. So I think that Jim Harbaugh going there is going to uh, be a big move for L.A., especially in the division they play against, having to play against Patrick Mahomes and uh, Sean Payton and a new Raiders team that's coming up, to, uh, coming up to the play as well. I love it. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to help Justin Herbert climb that ladder even more from being just close to uh, being elite to being up there with some of the rest of the quarterbacks in the league as well. Uh, and I, I think he's just going to bring that mentality of we're here to win. We're here to get better every single day. And uh, we're going to see what happens. I mean, you know, if not, if not someone, why not me? You know what? That's what I'm saying. If not someone, why not me? Jim Harbaugh can totally get it done. Uh, and I think, and as I said before, he's hitting at the right time, give it a couple years and let him get his team together, help Justin Fields get out. And it all is going to start with the offensive lineman. I mean, Jim Harbaugh going into the NFL, he knows all the offensive linemen on that Michigan lot on that Michigan team that he had. So you just got to look around. He's got, he can pick either one that he wants. He's already got uh Slater at their left tackle as well. Uh, he's been, he's a uh, three years in right now. And he can only get better from there. But you, uh, he's gonna bring the, he's gonna bring a mentality of we're here to win, we're here to be a championship team, because he knows what it's all about. He's been in this process before. He knows the challenges. It, he knows the challenges the NFL will throw at you, and he knows how to overcome those as well. 
Yeah, well said. Like literally, word for word, pretty much what I'm going to say. I mean, what he, what does Jim Harbaugh bring? He win, he brings winners. He brings winners. He makes winners. That's what he does. Is he has the highest winning percentage of all coaches in the NFL. If you didn't know that out there, if you're listening, it's crazy what he has done in the NFL. Consistently been great. You know, didn't get that Super Bowl ring, but he was there. He had a chance and. Big bro just came out on top. Yeah, he did. He did. The lights went out in the in the dome. But uh, um, no, I mean, he, he, what he brings to the NFL, what he brings to the Chargers, more like it is, he's going to bring Smash Mouth football, like you said, man. I mean, winning in the trenches, run game, relying on your quarterback to to genuinely manage a game. You know, he mm. talked about how. Justin Fields, I mean, J- Justin Herbert, nah, big difference there. Uh, Justin yeah, Herbert, <laughs> he he can play any style. He said, throw him in a, a, an option style offense. He'll still thrive. You throw him in the spread, he's still, he'll still thrive. Throw him in the system where it's play action heavy, run game heavy. He'll still thrive. He can play in any system. And there's all your rumors about players that might be going after and stuff. And he's going to bring this team He's going to change the style in which they play and where they don't have to rely on Justin Herbert to make every single play in every single moment. And that's a situation kind of like Josh Allen's had to face with the Bills. You know, didn't have a run game for a while. The The defense has been good in the past, but they weren't good in the playoffs. So jo- jo- Josh Allen had to make superhero plays, Superman plays, that at the end of the day, there's only so many a player can you know pull out of their ass. So, mm, and Justin yeah. Herbert has had to live with that his entire career, either having to try and hold a lead that they somehow can't. A player makes a mistake in the fourth quarter and they lose it, and they just don't know how to close. Which everything Jim Har- sorry everything Jim Harbaugh brings to a team is what Brandon Staley never brought to a team. Menta- a, a physical mentality, a team that just. If they're in the if they're in the lead, they're not giving up that lead. Like I'm sorry, Mm-mm. like that is not something that Jim Harbaugh teams do. At the end of the day, and what Jim Harbaugh can bring to the uh, to the Chargers, lastly, is that championship mindset. It's a mentality that he brings. I mean, how you how I'm hearing all these players how they're talking. It's like they're ready. They are ready. So. I'm ready. I'm ready as well. I'm 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 a massive Jim Harbaugh fan, and I'm just happy to see him getting an opportunity with a team. Last stop of his career. Hey, go get a Super Bowl. Last thing he hasn't done. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time in college and NFL. One of the very few that have been able to pull it off in both NFL and college. So, shout out Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I'm expecting him to kind of change everything with the Chargers culture included. Yeah. All right. Yes, CDM. Sorry about that, but Commanders. Land Dan Quinn as our new head coach and bring in Cliff Kingsbury as their offense coordinator. Obviously, some some uh, some conversations about that move as an offensive coordinator, bringing in Cliff Kingsbury. Obviously, he was at USC last year. But end of the day, quick thoughts, CDM, on the hires here for the commanders with Dan Quinn and bringing in Cliff Kingsbury as an offense coordinator. I mean, they are only one, they are only one pick away from mm-hmm. the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. They can give up somebody to move up there and get Caleb Williams. But I like it. I like it a lot. Dan Quinn being uh coming back uh coming back being a head coach again is nice to see. Haven't seen him being a head coach since his time in Atlanta. Uh, so it's nice to see, but he uh, I like what he can bring to that defensive side of the ball, him being a defensive-minded coach. Uh, commanders have a lot of good pieces on that defense. If they can continue to add on to that front seven and a little bit to that secondary, they can be great. I wonder, uh, my 
thing is, does he is he going to have the same confidence in Sam Howell like Ron uh, Ron Rivera did? Like, is he going to you know really push him to be great and possibly be the franchise guy, or are they going to trade up? You know, since they got Cliff and try and get uh, Caleb, since Cliff Kingsbury is so uh, used to having Caleb around so much since he was at USC. Uh, I like them both. I like Cliff Kingsbury being the offensive coordinator. He'll bring some explosiveness to the offense as well, especially with all the pieces that they have in Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Brian Robinson, uh, Gibson, Lo- Logan Thomas, all these other. I mean, that team has good pieces on mm-hmm. that offensive side of the ball. I think the offensive line's going to need some work as well, but it's a rebuild year for most of these teams and the commanders are really not that far uh, are really not that far away from being able to compete with uh, the teams in their division and possibly the rest of the NFC going into the playoffs as well. But I like it a lot. I think it's a good start for them as an organization. Yeah, man. I mean, in commanders, we talked about it. It feels like two, three years ago, they weren't that far off and now they have the second pick. So it's all these teams at the top five. Like, yeah, they're multiple pieces away. They're not just one quarterback away. It's, it's kind of rare. You're a Texans team where you can draft a quarterback and could draft a, a, a generational defensive lineman and they both pan out and you're able to make it to the playoffs pretty far, you know, make it to a divisional round. It's rare. And, yeah. and I don't see really any of these top five teams pulling that off next season. But, you know, when it comes to the hires itself, Dan Quinn was a little bit of a shock. But when it came down to him and Ben Johnson and the whole situation with Ben Johnson not wanting to go there, dang, LeBron's so good. Um, Ben Johnson, whole situation there, rumored to whatever we're going to talk about in j- just a second. Um, Dan Quinn, they say we're going to stick with defense here. Dan Quinn, Mike Vrabel, interesting. You pick between Dan Quinn or him, and you pick Dan Quinn, who allowed that many points against the Green Bay Packers. Dan Quinn's an interesting guy. I don't know if I love the hire. I don't know if I am the biggest fan but I do think Dan Quinn is a good coach, and I think it's a, a familiar day. face to yep. it's a familiar face to the coaching uh, coaching pool as well. Mm. You know, I mean, you see somebody like that who's made a Super Bowl and has had uh, success with the players that he's had in the past as well. Why not take a chance on him? You know, start something with some new people around him, a fresh young team, to where he could possibly work with them for a couple years. And if he's not the move, then he'll be able to get them to a point where the other head coach could be coming in and, you know, lead that team to be more successful than Dan uh, wanted them to. But I think I look at him as like a bridge head coach. You know, you have bridge quarterbacks. Kind of look at Dan Campbell as a bridge coach for the commanders. If it doesn't work out, they go out and find another young stud that's had success as an offensive coordinator or as an assistant, and then let them come in and uh, start that franchise as their own and, po- and possibly be even better than Dan Quinn originally was supposed to be. Yeah, man. I mean, it's interesting. Whole Dan Quinn thing. We'll see. I'm not gonna hate on it immediately. These these coaching hires and fires, and they're so easy to kind of judge immediately. And who wins the the coaching hire tree? You know, with all the coaches openings and all the the coaches that were available, who wins and who loses? It's always gonna be the controversy, the the conversation. You know, during this time of the season when it comes to coaches. So, um, we'll see with Dan Quinn Kingsbury. Love that hire. Love him, mm-hmm. them bringing him in. No matter what, if you get Caleb or you got to get another guy, listen, his system is going to be great for either Caleb, Jaden Daniels, or Drake May. Any of those guys would thrive. Or in that Sam system. Howell. Sam Howell could probably do some good yep. out of it and as well. And Sam. And Sam. Sam would be an interesting guy if they decided to keep him. I really doubt they will. But, you know, any guy they get next season, I, I trust in that system. So, um, we'll love, we'll love to see, you know, 
I mean, you didn't know. Caleb Williams is from the D.C. area. He's got his ties yeah. from home out there, and there was rumors of him even going to Maryland as a freshman in college. They were there. He was the team. Maryland was in his top three of schools with with Oklahoma, LSU, and and Maryland when it came to his his decision to commit to Oklahoma. So there's ties there. Home. Well, he would probably love to kind of resurrect the team that he probably watched when he was a kid. So, yeah, um, Kingsbury's wise love that hire as an offensive coordinator makes sense. It's a smart move in case you want to make that move up to number one. Dan Quinn not gonna hate it too much, but interesting, very interesting move. So, see, so yeah, let's let's keep this thing going to the other coaches that were hired. We'll give a little bit of a rundown. Mike McDonald. Youngster to the Seahawks, Atlanta hires Raheem Morris. He's already been a coach before, but didn't go too well, but you know, looked really good with the Rams. Got his opportunity with the Falcons, and now Dave Canales heading to the Panthers. Youngster as well. We have a little bit of a look here with a graphic, giving a little idea of what these coaches look like with their age. And, man, it, it's the youthful movement, brother. It's a, it's a different time for coaches uh, in, in today's NFL with – you know, obviously, we've said it a, a bunch of times so far about how you got guys like Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick out there, and you you go for these guys. A forty-seven, forty-two, forty-five, sixty was the oldest with Jim Harbaugh. We knew he's going to get hired. Thirty-seven, thirty-six, thirty-nine, thirty-fifty-three. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's hey. a young movement coming along in the NFL now. I mean, a lot of young brains, a lot of young faces as well. I mean, that it NFL's slowly evolving into, you know. A younger, a younger type of crowd when it comes to coaching as well, because in brighter brains, new types of plays are being made, different schemes are coming along. It's not like the old Smash Mouth football that everybody else was used to watching back in the day, back in like from the 1980s all the way to the early 2000s, 2010s, where you know it was mostly the same stuff. It's brand new now. It's a whole different new league, and uh, it's nice to see young faces go around as well. I like all these young hires because it gives the NFL. A younger, a younger viewership, because you're not gonna. I mean, some of these kids don't even know who Bill Belichick is. <laughs> some of these kids don't even know who, who, uh, who was I about to say? Who uh, Mike Vrabel is? Sometimes, I mean, some of these kids don't even know who they are. Uh, <clears throat> only people, only Ray, you know. I mean, everybody knows Tom Brady. Everybody know. Everybody knows Tom Brady. Everybody knows who coached him back in the day. But people nowadays don't know. Uh, they're all about you know the young generation that's coming into the NFL now. And I think it's a good idea. I think it's a great job for uh, new young coaches to come in as well and spice the league up a little bit more, you know, create new rivalries between uh, new teams that are coming along. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's that communication. That's the biggest thing everyone talks about with these youngsters being able, young coaches being able to talk to these, these young players and, you know, D'Amico Ryan's is a perfect example. His conversations between CJ Shroud on the on the field and, and you know talking to some of those young players and the defense. It's just there's a different level of communication with the young coach and the young player. And everyone talks about the Patriot way with Bill Belichick. Can that survive in the NFL anymore? And I don't know. I don't know if, if these players, these young players are able to be coached hard like that anymore. It's a different league, especially, especially if you're not winning. Good luck mm. trying to instill that kind of a, a of a culture, that kind of a way when it comes to a, a, of coaching. But, you know, when it comes to the young, the youthful moment, it, it makes it makes sense. Young offensive-minded players, I mean coaches, coming in, 
and and and, and moving the needle. It's it's about getting the youngest guy, the most innovative co- uh, coordinator, defensively or offensively, in the system, in the, in the building. And like I heard about Raheem Morris had like the greatest interview of all time. Like they, I heard the the Falcons liked Bill Belichick. They thought he had a good interview, but they said Raheem Morris stole the show. Like how he handled the interviews was it was. They said they couldn't let him get out of the building. So I heard yeah. about that. Dave Canales, he's got ties back to Dan Morgan. Him going to Carolina makes sense, you know, with the new GM, Dan Morgan. We're going to talk about him later, how he wants some dogs in that building. And Antonio Pierce, obviously, we, we knew he was probably going to – if he didn't get the job, there was going to be a, an explosion in Las Vegas. There would have been there would have been a lot of mad people if Antonio Pierce, including myself, uh, didn't get that job. I would, I would have been pissed off too, man. I mean, he, yeah. it was a, it's a different vibe with he, when he was the head coach, man. Yeah. I mean, we all saw it the first game that he coached the locker room videos that came out. Everybody yeah. was jumping around Dude. music's blaring, and everybody's excited. Dude. I mean, that's what coaching's all about to have, to have a relationship with your players like that. Dude, it's, it, he instilled that Raiders way back into this, in the building. And, and that's, that's what matters when it comes to guys like that. And Gerard Marrow, he was groomed to be the next guy. Mike McDonald, what he did with the Ravens defense, I mean, that's obvious why he was able to get a job. And Brian yeah. Callahan, he's been rumored for a while to get an, an opportunity. People even talk about maybe going to new, new offense coordinator job, ends up with the Titans. That was an early move. We talked about that one on the pod already. And Dan Quinn, yeah. you know, he's been proving he's made a Super Bowl. So, you know, not too surprised. I am a little shocked, though. That we did not see Bill Belichick get an opportunity or Mike Vrabel, but we'll talk about that in a second. Obviously, we're going to get to this last little hire that was controversial. Arthur Smith heading to the Steelers' CDM. That is an yeah. interesting move that has caused parity. There's either some, there's some people that are saying great move, and there's a lot of people saying not a great move. CDM, quick thoughts on. Arthur Smith going to the Steelers as their offense coordinator. I have some friends. I have some friends that are Steelers fans, and they absolutely hate the move. Mm. I mean, I don't know what they. I mean, yeah, getting rid of Matt Canada helped the offense out, <laughs> I guess, a little bit. I mean, it it only took them Mason Rudolph getting on the field and throwing over two hundred yards for the first time in a season <laughs> to actually yeah. make a move. Oh, 300 yards! Oh, mm-hmm. wow! I mean, that's crazy that Kenny Pickett hasn't didn't even throw for over two hundred yards. But, I mean, getting rid of Matt Canada was good, but was this the best option that you could have saw? Was this the best thing that happened? Did you see what this man did with Atlanta with all that young talent and he still didn't, like, even come close to winning the division? I mean, no, man. I don't think it was – I don't think it was the smartest hire. I mean, if this was, like, the last kind of like, oh, well, we need somebody – everybody else is getting taken or getting a head coaching job, then yeah, I guess you take them. But I feel like there were so many better opportunities and better coaches out there besides Arthur Smith, to t- Arthur Smith to take this job, especially how we fumbled the bag in Atlanta, man. I mean, you have all that young talent with Drake London, Kyle Pitts, B. John Robinson, and you don't do anything with them. But uh, I don't, I don't like it. Uh, I pray for the Steelers nation you know, because it's going to be another rough year on offense. I'll tell you, you're going to, it's going to be another rough year on the offensive side of the ball. Man, I hear you. I hear you. First of all, I understand the, uh, that side of the argument. Man, I don't hate the hire that much, man. I'm not, first of all, I'm not the biggest Arthur Smith defender. He was an Atlanta Falcon head coach. We saw what he did at the end of the year. Got a little, little pissy, you know, you know, got a little feels. A little piss baby. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't defend the guy. I don't think he's a head coach, really. I'm not the biggest believer in him being a head coach again. 
his 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 history, his his you know his reputation as a coordinator is not bad. Like Texan when he was with the Titans, I mean, it, obviously Derrick Henry that helps a lot. Having the best running yeah. back in the league helps a lot, but that system as well helped Derrick Henry become the best running back of this generation. You know, and and I, I don't want to take too much away from Arthur Smith because. He is a run game coordinator. At the end of the day, his offense is based around the run. Obviously, the controversies around his offensive scheme is they don't give the ball to the best guy. They didn't do that very well with the Falcons. I understand that. But if you're running the ball, you got two great running backs when it comes to Warren and Najee. I would say they're two good running backs. You know, Najee came kind of re, re, reinvigorated his career late this season, you know, there was a lot of controversy about him not being fast enough and all those things, but he was running really hard at the end of the year. Warren is an absolute, he's a weapon. That dude, he is fast. Mm-hmm. He is very good. And when you look at the makeup of this team, Kenny Pickett, I don't think anyone's really sold on Kenny Pickett at all. Receivers, he got a great one in Pickens. Deontay Johnson, when healthy, is still very good. Mm-hmm. Pat, Pat Fryermuth. All right. That's your weapons. Not bad, but you're still not sold on your quarterback. I don't mind getting a run, running game style into this team. And it's the Steelers. They they should want to go back to old school football. That was when they were at their best. And if you don't have a Patrick Mahomes, if you don't have a Ben Roethlisberger at that quarterback position, it makes sense for me to gotta lean into the run game side of this offense instead of saying, all right, Kenny Pickett, we're going to get you this guy, the passing game coordinator for the 49ers, and we're going to rope this thing around the field. Like, that's what we're going to do. And that just doesn't, for me, doesn't sound like the greatest idea. And it also makes sense. Mike Tomlin, we know what kind of style he wants to bring. He wants to be a smash-mouth team. And at the end of the day, running the ball a lot is a part of that smash-mouth style. So I don't hate the, the move. I'm not obviously going to say it's the greatest move they could have made. I feel like there's a lot of good offensive coordinator options out there. Um, But it makes sense that the Steelers would make this move, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean for sure. All right, right, bro. Let's get this thing over with. Let's talk about the GOAT. Bill Belichick does not get a job, bro. What the heck is going on? We actually got a little bit of a tweet here from Marlon Humphreys. He had his two cents to say something about all this. The greatest coach of all time did not get hired out of six head coaching jobs. I think that debate can be put to rest now. Whoa. What is Marlon Humphrey suggesting here? I'm not too entirely sure. I don't know if I agree if he's not the best, but hey, it is interesting, CDM, that the greatest coach of all time does not get a coaching job. We talked about this in the past pods. CDM, real quick, what's your thoughts on it? Is it because of his style? Is it just because it's Bill Belichick and he has to be he has to be the team? He's going to be the GM, the coach, everything. He's going to run the entire you know organization. Owner, like, yeah, I mean, literally, he is everything to an organization. So, why do you think he didn't get a job, bro? Uh, I feel like it's just I feel like the league is starting to get outdated for Bill. Mm. I feel like you know Bill. Everything coming out about him being the GM and not going out and signing some talent to help the team out. I mean, not being able to help out Mac Jones, really not being able to help out Tom Brady in his final couple of years at uh, in New England as well. I feel like the league has just gotten out of out, uh, kind of left Bill Belichick back back in the back in the past. Mm-hmm. No disrespect to him; I mean, he's a six-time Super Bowl champ, 
But, I mean, he also had Tom Brady and some amazing defenses to help him get there. He was just the main prioriter of it. But without Tom Brady, I don't feel like Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. Mm-hmm. But that's besides the point. It's uh, I just don't feel like he uh, – I understand where you were coming from saying that it, he had a good one with Atlanta. But at the same time, Atlanta has so much young talent, it's going to be hard to try and connect with them on the same personal level than you would back in the day when you had all of your veteran-type players on your certain team. So, I, I mean, I can see why he didn't get a job. I do think, you know, give it some time. Maybe next year or maybe next season. Who knows? Somebody's gonna. I mean, you. It's Bill Belichick, though. So, like, I mean, somebody's gonna look and be like, okay, well, Bill Belichick's out there. Mm. I wonder what create. I wonder what that mind, what that like, the safe inside of his mind holds. Because I mean, the dude's got knowledge. Dude knows what the NFL is all about because he's been there six times. He knows what it takes to get to a Super Bowl. And yeah, it starts with a franchise quarterback being Tom Brady or somebody else like that. But I do find it weird. And I, you know, I first saw that tweet by Marlon Humphrey and the greatest coach of all time can be put to rest. That's kind of like blowing it out of blowing it out of proportion. I mean, yeah, he didn't get a head coaching job, but at the end of the day, he's still the greatest coach of all time. I mean, last time I checked, he has six Super Bowl rings. Mm. He had, he holds so many records Uh, back when they did the voting for like the fifth, like the, like the all-time pro list, he was the best. Like he's number one head coach. We all understand that. It's just the league is getting the league is starting to evolve into something so much more. It's starting to get so much younger. So I feel like that played a big role in why they did why Bill Belichick didn't get a job, and that he wants to take control of the team and be everything, as you said. Yeah, there's a lot that comes with Bill Belichick. It's not just the head coach. It's it's the GM. Probably he probably wants to be the GM. If not. If he's able to give that role up, it's still Bill Belichick. He's still going to have a lot of pull in the system. And and there's a lot of conversations that come around Bill Belichick. If he goes to your team, you're expected to win rather quickly. Like, you're expected to win a Super Bowl or at least be in contention for one very quickly. And mm-hmm. it comes down to that. And it it's like you said, man, it's this, it's this new age of basketball player, man. I just don't know football if this player. football player. <laughs> I'm watching basketball over here. Sorry. Um, you're good. It's that new age, man. It's just that new age of players that I'm just not so sure that that style works when it comes to coaching. And if you're not winning, like I said earlier, it's not going to work. It's just there's players, and I've heard you know stories about how, oh, you are doing things like that in that building when it comes to the Patriots hearing about that. It's like, yeah, that, no, that doesn't, we don't, There's a. it's a different style here. And the Patriot way, everyone hears about that and, you know, I don't, I don't understand how he doesn't get a job. It doesn't shock me when you sit back and think about it. Like, all right, okay, I get it. Like, there was a lot of young guys that had a lot of promise, and we, when you hire a Bill Belichick, it's there's a lot that comes with that. And I loved your point that there's going to be a team next year. Say they start three and seven, you know. You know, you're three and you're three and ten. You know you're going to have a top five pick. There's probably mm-hmm. a point in that season when you're saying, you know, maybe we fire our coach right now and we can start this head coaching search. You know, let's go out there yeah. and and look at Bill Belichick, see what he can bring to the team. So, 
I believe it's smart, honestly. I don't think Bill wanted to take a year off immediately, but I think it's actually going to be a good thing for him when it comes uh, yeah. to maybe evolving his system and looking at ways that he can improve his style of coaching. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like, you know, a year off gives him time to be able to go look around, look at the connections some of these coaches have with their players now and be able to take from that and put into his own type of uh, routine when it comes to coaching players up. Yeah, Especially man. this once again, this young crowd, mm. it's a totally like this young crowd's totally different, man. Like you you have to push them to their limits. Cause back in the day, man, I mean, everybody wanted to hit. Everybody wanted to, you know, take somebody's head off. Nowadays you have to like pressure them, like push them into being that type of player. And Bill Belichick could be one of the coaches to do it, but it's just gonna it's gonna take some time to get that connection going. Yep. It is, and we'll see. We'll see what happens to Bill Belichick. People talking about him maybe getting a coordinator job. Yeah, man, D-Lo, love you. Um, talking about him getting a coordinator job, stupid, first of all. He's a head coach or nothing, so um, yeah, that'll, that'll do it for Bill Belichick conversation. A quick little topic here that's been swirling around the interweb as well. Andy Reid might retire after this Super Bowl win? CDM, do you believe it? No, I don't. Well, I mean, if they win. If they win, I could possibly see him riding off in the sunset with his three Super Bowl rings and his double cheeseburger. You know, can't forget the double cheese. But I don't see it happening unless he wants to pull like a Nick Saban and say, I got a couple years left in me, and then the day after just be like, "Eh, I think I'm going to call it. I think I'm good. Retirement looks fine. No, that. man, but he, he's got like he's got the next great quarterback. Go ahead and be the next great Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah, man. It, it's I'd be shocked. Smoke screens. Yeah, right. It's it's just and he feels like a guy that it's like he won't ever retire. Like maybe once he gets like six, if he broke like Bill's record or something, goes what past. People six. said about Nick Saban. Yeah, you're right. You are right. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, these conversations make sense. He's older. Yeah. Not, not a shock. Not a shock at all. But also wouldn't be shocked if he won and he said, I'm done. Like, I, I've, yeah, I, I've done I everything mean, I can. And it's like, all right, I wouldn't be shocked, but I, I kind of would be. Still. If he did that, the biggest question going into next season would be, who's going to be the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, it's like, that would be the that would be the hottest head coaching job to get, dude. Oh, my God. I'm talking yeah. about who would not want that job, bro? Yeah. Oh, my God, dude, no. No, no, no. Uh-oh. I just thought about it. Uh-oh. Andy Reid retires. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs go and get Bill Belichick. Yep. Huh. <laughs> it's not what I need. Maybe it's not what, what I need for. To. Maybe he's already talked to Andy. And he's like, hey, Andy, you kind of feeling it out? And Andy's like, yeah, man. Hey, man, you're looking pretty big right now. I think it's time to retire. You kind of kind of take over for me, Bill. It's like, oh, geez. Ain't no way that's No, happening. dude, that's the, last, that's the last thing I need to see is Bill Belichick coaching Patrick Mahomes. No, sorry. I think we need the boy. That would be the boycott that I would start. (laughs) Right. I would start a boycott and be like, no, Kansas City is not allowed to hire Bill Belichick. You can interview him and you may like him, but you can't hire him. Yep. I'm there. I'm there. That's not like go hire Mike Vrabel. Go hire, you know, Jeff Fisher. You (laughs) know, go look look for Jeff Fisher. (laughs) Yeah. Pete Carroll. Somebody like that. Uh, No, Freddie Kitchens. (laughs) You remember Freddie Kitchens? Hey, Matt and Aggies are off as a coordinator. Remember the last time he was a head coach? Oh, yeah, the Bears fans, though. Uh, I bet the Bears fans choose to forget, too. <laughs> All right. I would. Oh, man. Oh, but that, I think that'll wrap up the uh, coaching poll that's happened. You know, it's going to be nice to 
see some new faces and some new places. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a different league next year for sure, but it's going to be fun. Yep, it is. It is, brother. And kind of that new age coming into next season. Kind of saw a little bit of a glimpse of it at the Senior Bowl, CDM. A little quick little oh, recap man, here. Senior Bowl is probably the best time of the year. I mean, for college for college athletes to get out there and show the scouts. I mean, you got your pro days, you got the combine, but this is like the first start of just showing these scouts what you're going to be up against and what you're going to be doing in the NFL and putting best against best as well and giving some of these college athletes who really didn't, you know, play on these big-time schools, go out there and show the scouts what they can do and uh, give them a chance to boost their draft stock and possibly get a play, uh, find a home, find their new home in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Singer Bowl, I feel like it was kind of bigger than it's been in a while, you know. It was big, dude, but, I mean, you have to look at the prospects that are in this year's draft, bro. These pro- like Every draft prospect in the first round could possibly be a starter next year. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, there was – when going into the – the um senior bowl, especially this year, there was there were some names like, oh, let's hear let's see what this guy can look like. Maybe this guy can show some things that um could boost his stock. And some players didn't perform well and some way overperformed their expectations. So I mean, real quick, CDM, I, I uh I'll start us off here. One prospect here that really, you know, caught my eye. I got to be honest here, this is a tough one for me because there was a lot of good players and and mm-hmm. I was looking back at it because I watched I watched as much as I could of the Senior Bowl, you know, with work and everything. And going into it, I'll say this: going into it, there was a couple guys that I was really keeping my eye on. Um, Tulane quarterback Michael Pratt ended up not having that great of a. He didn't. Um, yeah, he didn't look the best. But you know, give it time. You know. Yeah, yeah. Spencer Radler, mm. bald. He that's bald out. That's a guy that uh, that's a guy that I was very, um, very impressed with. Him, Joe Milton didn't look bad. Um, so when it comes to my biggest, my favorite player though, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest. Please forgive me for this horrible pronunciation of the guy's name. Oregon State offensive lineman, Talise Fuage. Are you talking about the center? Yeah, offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. He's oh, a- dude, their center. He had a he. Ooh, man, he had a week, man. <laughs> I'm did. telling you, he had. He is good. That boy. That, that he is a cornbread fed looking boy, man. I'm telling you, he is good. Tylese Fuage. Fuaga. I'm sorry, I'm not to learn that, but he's one. Uh, he's one of the best interior offensive linemen in the draft. He's unbelievable. And when you look at this draft class, and you're like, "Jeez, I mean, there's so many good freaking players." He genuinely, he could be the third guy off the board, offensive lineman wise. And after what I saw, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked because he is, he is so dominant. He is really. I know really, you saw really that. Good. I know you saw that one rep on Twitter where he just Ooh. like shoved, like, like he took that dude down and then he just trotted off, like ex- mm. all electrics, electrified and excited. Mm. Like, I mean, he he's gonna be he's gonna be a big steal in the draft. You know, he he wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. You know, aqua and white. You know, on him. Mm. You know, he kind of looks good in some aqua and white. Oh, I wouldn't so? mind that. You know, you know. But uh, my favorite player that I saw at the Senior Bowl that I kind of you know was shocked about. Toledo cornerback mm. Quinion Mitchell. I love it. This man, this brother, I'm telling you, was locks mm. all day long, man. He was balling out, and he really surprised me because he was a he was a three star recruit coming out of his high school. He's a three star recruit for ESPN. 
And, uh, you know, for him to go to Toledo and really just lock up kids, lock up his opponents was insane. And what he did in the scene, uh, when he did in the senior bowl, from what I saw from some highlights on Twitter, uh, he was balling. I mean, he was locking up like he was locking up notable wide receivers, Brendan Rice, um, Troy Franklin, I think was there as well. Lad McConkey went up against him a couple times and shut him down. I mean, he played up against some top tier talent. And, you know, some hidden gems, as we said, this is where the Senior Bowl is all about, finding those hidden gems mm. from schools that don't get enough rec- uh, recognition. And he's one of those players, man. I feel like he, uh, he's he been talked about the majority of the season, though, being a top-five cornerback. And I can see why, man. I never got to watch some Toledo games, but uh, from what I saw with the Senior Bowl, he is – He's a stud cornerback. Kind of reminds me of like a sauce gardener coming out. He's coming out of college. He's tough, man. And he had a hell of a college career. And he was a name that everyone was kind of keeping an eye on. Oh my gosh, LeBron James. Um, he was kind of a guy that people were keeping an eye on going in this senior bowl because, hey, let's see if you can get some reps against some of these super talented guys. No offense, Toledo, but you're not playing against Alabamas and you know all these Georgias and all that. Yeah, exactly. You're not playing against these type of teams, and you know. Seeing him do what he did in the Senior Bowl, very impressive. He's made himself an easy lock first-round pick, in my opinion. And, you know, what really blew my mind was the, the presence of the running backs was pretty insane because there was a lot of undersized running backs in this Senior Bowl Cody Schrader, the boy from TCU, uh, uh, Amani Bailey, and Frank Gore Jr. had a nice little little day as well during the game. uh, uh, They were in the Shrine Bowl. They were in the Shrine. uh, Frank Gore played in the Shrine Bowl, but still, like, as you said, had an amazing amazing time at his camp as well. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to Senior senior Bowl itself, there was a lot of impressive guys, uh, some Sunbelt kids as well from, I can't remember his name. I had it pulled up, but um, Schrader... No, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, uh, Troy's running back, uh, Kamani Vidal, Kamani Vidal, he, uh, he Mm -hmm. had a, he had a nice little couple big runs as well, so, um, a lot of awesome moments, love to see that from these players, you know, these undersized running backs kind of representing, kind of try and bring more value to that running back position, I love Cody Schrader, he had a hell of a year at Missouri, so, um, those are some of the guys that caught my eye, some of the positions as well. Um, obviously, going into it, we talked about it, quarterbacks. There were some guys keeping an eye on, and there were some guys that you were kind of seeing maybe what, what would they would do. And I think we can yeah. both agree, I, I think Rattler was the big, was the most impressive out of the quarterbacks. Most surprising, too. Yeah. I won't lie to you, especially with as much talent was there with Bo Nix, Michael Penix, mm. a lot of them being there. Those two big names, I mean, for him to come out there, go four for four, a touchdown, and uh, like 85, 89 yards, mm. it's very impressive, especially in front of the scouts. Because uh, there was a lot of talk about Spencer Rattler throughout his entire career of him not being a team, pl- a team player, blaming his mistakes on other players as well. And, I mean, it was caught on video when they did uh, High School U or something like that or Quarterback U on Netflix, you would see some of that, but he's matured so yeah. much. And he, uh, he, fi- he came out of an interview and he f- said he finally realized, you know, this is not a one man thing. This is a whole team. This is a unit type of, uh, type of business that I'm getting into. And I feel like he's finally, uh, going to blossom into something that we all thought he was going to be. We all thought, Oh man, next Patrick Mahomes, next type of, you know, elite quarterback. Then we saw Caleb Williams take his job. And then mm-hmm. we were like, Oh shit. Okay. That's <laughs> the guy. 
But no, Spencer, Spencer, uh, he made some great, great strides. Him transferring to South Carolina helped him out a lot. Another South Carolina player that also is very surprising is uh, Xavier Leggett, that mm. wider, his number one wide receiver dude, stud, mm. absolute stud. Does not get enough reckon is uh, does not get enough credit uh, than most wide receivers do. But I mean, this wide receiver class is also pretty deep. So, I mean, uh, shout out to Xavier Ledet and uh, shout out to Spencer Rather, man, being able to go out there and ball in front of all those scouts. But uh, another quarterback that uh, did not have the best time was Bo Nix. Bo Nix no. did not look the best out there. Mm-mm. You could see some uh, some of the throws when they, show, when they showed the one-on-ones. There was one one-on-one dude where it was just like he underthrew a ball. It kind of reminded me of Auburn. When he played at Auburn, he just Bo had Picks this was back. terrible. Th- huh? <laughs> Bo, Bo Picks, Picks was back. back. Bo, Bi- yeah, Bo Picks was. He was no. It was not Bo Nix right there. It was Bo Picks, man, because he he was he just did not look the best in one on one throws. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Hartman didn't look as bad. Sam Hartman looked pretty good. Yeah, he did. He kind of he looked better. Yep. He looked out there. He looked pretty good. Michael Penix didn't play in the game. I know mm-hmm. that. I know he didn't play, but mm-hmm. I mean, does he have to? Dude. Does he have to play to show you what he can do? That's the same for Bo Nix. It's just like I know he got out there. I know uh, he did practice. Both of them did practice, but Michael Penix didn't play in the game. But you know, the, both of those those are the two guys out there that everybody's looking like looking at right now. But some of the quarterbacks did have a good time. Uh, Sam Howell was one, uh, not Sam Howell. Sam Hartman was one of the guys that I looked at and just saw that you know he still he can go out there and be a uh, be that type of guy for a team. Cause he, I mean, he's got the arm talent too, man, and he's got the hair, man. I won't lie; he's got some good looking hair. He's, he's a good looking guy. Let's be honest. I mean, Sam Hartman. Yeah, I he's mean, a, he's I a guy. Mean, I got my socks on, but I mean, yeah, he's a nice looking guy. I got my socks on though. <laughs> this, let's be clear. Let's be clear. <laughs> let's be clear. Okay, they're on. <laughs> right. But no, which quarterback? Oh, um, which quarterback caught your eye, Nate? I gotta go, Rattler, man. Joe Bilton looked good, and I, I didn't mind what I saw from Hartman. But man, I mean, Rattler—he was the biggest surprise, man. I, I just—he, we talked about him for a while. Like, can he turn it around? Can he turn his career around? And you know, he's gonna get—he's gonna get drafted. I mean, everyone knew he get drafted, and he's just gonna keep helping his stock. At this point, I guy. think a lot of people said third, fourth round. I'm looking like. Late, early second, could, late, yeah. uh, late, late second, early third. He'll be a day two late guy. Late second, early third. I think he'll be a day you know, two I, guy. I'm thinking like, you know, maybe a team of Minnesota could take a chance on him. Like Minnesota that. could. Um, I would say maybe the Cardinals. Cardinals, in case Kyler doesn't work out, you have somebody behind him. Detroit, even though they did draft Hooker last year, he sure. hasn't played. Spencer Radler, in case Jared Goff gets hurt or something like that, he can go out there. There's a lot of teams that I feel like Spencer Radler has gained interest in. And uh, one of them could be the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. Who knows? If they yeah. don't go after a if they don't have to go after a quarterback in their first few picks, then I think they totally can go after Spencer Radler and get somebody good out of him. Yeah, yeah. Rattler, he caught my eye and we'll see, man. We'll see what, what happens with the draft. And you know, there, there's some interesting landing spots for some of these guys. And he's just yeah. I mean, with all the hype that he had around him, and Jesus, oh my gosh! Throw the gloves off. Take the gloves off. Hornets are killing me, dog. They're trying to make a comeback here, and I'm not liking it. Um, but yeah, yes, uh, Rattler was my biggest quarterback that uh, that caught my eye. I think a lot yeah. of people it was the same feeling. So, um, CDM, real quick, which senior bowl player do you? think could, could improve their draft stock the most with obviously their performance in the singer bowl and with the combine coming up and uh, uh, pro days as well. I won't lie. I'm going to say Brendan Rice, uh-huh. the son of legendary wide receiver, Jerry Rice. 
you know, the name doesn't, the name speaks, but, you know, he didn't really get that much tap. He didn't get much uh, cover when he played. He did go from Colorado. He did play at Colorado for a little bit when they were complete and utter doo-doo. <laughs> so that goes to show. But then he transferred to SC and turned out, you know, he turned out to be one of the best wide receivers on that team. Turned out to be one of Caleb Williams' top top targets as well. So I think Brendan Rice can uh, – I think he has a chance to boost his draft stock up. Obviously, you know, not live up to his dad, not try and be his dad, obviously, but go out there and, you know, show teams that I'm an elite, I'm an elite route runner. Dude's got strong hands as well. Has a really nice vertical to be able to go up there and get the ball and come down with it. And uh, he's really good against man coverage as well, too. When he, uh, I wouldn't say like deep ball man coverage. I would say more of like, you know, intermediate to short routes. He can get off man. He can he can get a man off of him and be wide open, get about another five, 10 yards after the catch. Uh, I think Brendan Rice, Brendan Rice is one wide receiver to really watch out for, especially with how deep this wide receiver draft is. He is one of the, he could be a surprise to most teams. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of stick with receiver as well as with Lad McConkey. He obviously has been rising for a while now. What does this man need? What does this man need to prove? I mean, yeah. Overall rankings though, they don't have him that high, man. They've got him pretty much the same spot as Brendan Rice, which a little shocking for both of those guys where they're at. But um, what? Yeah, I'm a little shocked, but he obviously improved. Another guy that I'm gonna go with. I loved what I saw from this guy, and he has improved all season with the team as well. Jackson Powers Johnson, guard from Oregon, looked great, and he has improved his stock a lot too. There's conversations about this being the greatest offensive lineman class of all time, man. Like, that's how good this class has become. There is so much depth. You can get a starter in the second round, man, when it comes to linemen, even though I think think we're going to see at least – Four, five, six. There's gonna be a lot thinking, of offensive yeah, linemen first like, rounders. I was thinking like a couple of offensive linemen, at least half a dozen, at least six or seven. It's gonna be, be taking the first round. It's gonna be a lot, like, man. And, and he's I can see guy. three of them take. I could see three of them being taken in the top five. Yeah, it, I can see Joe. I can see Joe all uh, Olu as well. Mm-hmm. CJ Latham, probably mm-hmm. as a possibility because he's Oregon he's State up boy. there as well. You know, it's like they've got there's players, man. Uh, Georgia. Uh, uh, Alignment. I mean, there is there is yeah, I mean, players everywhere when it comes to offensive line and and everybody. It's a deep offensive line class. Like yes. I have not seen a deep deep offensive line class like this ever since I've started watching football. I've never seen a class like this to where, as you say, you can get a starter in the second round yep. or possibly like you could find a hidden gem in the third mm-hmm. round that just turns out to be a stud. Yeah, and, and we know. There's been a lot of bad offensive line play this season. So mm-hmm. a lot of teams need this. And as a Saints fan myself, I hope we draft one. <laughs> Give me one of these guys. I'll take any of them. Give me one, dude. Oh, my God. I'll take out. If the Dolphins want to trade up and go get Joe Alt or, like, you know, CJ Latham or that kid from Oregon State, I'll be happy with hey. it. Or Olu. I'll take any of them. I'll take any of them. Jeez. I Miles mean, Bridges. Certified, certified starters right there. Yeah, 100%. I agree. All right. One second. We'll pause for just a second for my Lakers. I'll be back in just a second, y'all. And we're back. Sorry about that, y'all. The Lakers have won, so I am happy. Yeah, got the job done. We uh, we beat the Charlotte Hornets. Let's go. Keep this. Let's keep this hot streak going. Hey, hey, we just beat the Celtics and the Knicks. I don't hear that crap. Ooh, repping. We repping. We repping. King, king time. All right, let's get into it. 
Caleb Williams, smoke season has begun, obviously, with the number one player in this draft. Caleb Williams consensus number one, it feels like almost, but obviously with that comes smoke screens, and they've already begun, even before the season's even ended. So um, it's that time of the year, obviously, once the Super Bowl's done, everyone starts into the draft. Let's take a little quick little listen here. Contradictory reports here from Colin Cowherd. Conflicting. Nothing new. Nothing new. <laughs> Call it Coward, man. It's, I mean, half the shit he says is not correct. Very fair point. So, yeah, Colin Cowherd, he kind of got called out by the Caleb Williams team, whoever the hell this team is. He doesn't have an agent. His team, like it's Caleb his, Williams, like personal team. Yeah, it's in. he doesn't have an agent, so it's interesting, this whole Caleb Williams situation. But that being said, this is what Colin Cowherd talked about on his show Then had to kind of – Come back the next day and uh, talk about more information you got. So let's listen to uh, Colin real quick. There, there's some concerns here that uh, dad's a little too involved. Now, dads are very, very involved in high school and college quarterbacking. So that's just part of the new world we live in. But I, I still contend, you're going to think I'm nuts here. I do think it's possible that Washington trades up and Chicago allows Washington to trade up because Caleb and his group do not want to go to Chicago. He's from the D.C. area. I think Dan Quinn is considered the big concern for Caleb Williams, and you have to admit this. Where you land matters. Chicago has never developed a star quarterback. So I got a call from the Caleb Williams camp, and they went, whoa, 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 Colin. We don't want to be, we don't want to be painted as anti-Chicago, and we don't want to be painted as anti-Bear. And they, and they made it clear to me that they said, listen, we don't want to go to a city that doesn't care. Chicago cares. They're big, loud, they're passionate. They fire coaches all the time. They care. We don't want to go to some sunbelt place where you tarp off the upper deck. And they did say there is a path to succeed in Chicago. It's called the Houston Texans. Defensive coach, couple of weapons, cap space, good pick. Uh, you know, they, they mentioned they got a second pick. There's a bunch of good receivers out there. LSU, Washington, they could go get another weapon. And they already have one bona fide number one pick. But it does show you the reality of Caleb Williams. And I've got sympathy for the athlete. I'm a radio guy. I could have failed at my first job. It didn't matter. I got a 50, 60-year runway. Start naming all the quarterbacks whose first spot was a disaster and they resurrected it and it just went great. And not many of them. And Caleb Williams is great. And all he wants to do is win. And he's super competitive. About my only criticism of Caleb Williams, he gets a little pissy after he loses. He gets very moody. He, he doesn't like to lose. He is hyper competitive. People banged on him because he, he cried after a, a loss this year. And I'm like, he cares. I don't want Jay Cutler, the greatest Bears quarterback ever. I don't want indifference. I want passion. There, there's some concerns here that. that uh... All right. Well, that's what Colin Cowherd had to say, CDM, about mm. the whole Caleb Williams situation. Had some sources that said something. And then the Caleb Williams team, we've been hearing that a lot. Their team has been, uh, hey, easy now. Easy now. We don't. We don't want not want to go there. And now recently, Caleb Williams has changed his profile picture on social media to a picture of him with a shirt on as a kid that had a bear on it. Not, not a Chicago bear, but it has a bear on it. So kind of uh, throwing his mm. little two cents out there on social media, it feels like. So, you know, CDM, let's, you know, I mean, just your thoughts on this. It's just, it's the beginning of smoke season. Do you, do you believe any of it? Do you think he would actually pull a situation where he would say, I'm not going to Chicago. Like that seems a little crazy in today's time, doesn't it? 
only time I saw somebody do not even saw, but the last time that happened was Eli Manning. That was the only time that happened. Um, I don't really think players have a say so on where they should get drafted to. Obviously, be grateful for the opportunity. Not saying that he's not grateful for being in the situation that he's in, the opportunity that he's given. But I mean, I just think it's all smoke screens. Like, I mean, uh, you can't, you don't determine where you go. The play, like the organizations, determine where you go. And I think Colin Cowherd just kind of dove a little too deep into it. You know, I think he fell for some of the smoke screens that were happening. You know, a lot of people out there aren't that smart. I'll be one of those people that you know <laughs> usually gets caught in social media and believes the first thing that he sees until he does more research on it. But uh, no, I don't believe it. I think Caleb is just, you know enjoying the process of being a dra- uh, dra- uh being drafted as well and uh, I mean whoever gets him is getting a stud I mean I think I think the Washington commanders trade up first get him or it could be New England I don't know who's gonna get him but I think it is it's the beginning of smoke screens he's not the first player that we're gonna hear about we're probably gonna hear it from three other different quarterbacks that are in the draft Marvin Harrison jr as well I, I mean it's just all this is where it all starts man and everybody's just trying to have fun with it and you know get people guessing because I mean it's anticipation that's killing us we're wondering who who our teams are gonna be game who our teams are getting this year like it's a it's a very big draft it's a deep draft as well. So uh, I don't think any of this is true. I feel like it's just smoke screens in the air to start uh, to spark, spark up some interesting conversations. I agree. Smoke smoke screen season has officially begun. This is an absolute perfect example of it. It's my biggest like example, recent example of the smoke screens being a bunch of bull is you remember the Joe Burrow year. Everyone talked about no one wants to go play for Cincinnati. That place is a poverty franchise. They're going to ruin Joe's career. He'll never have a chance to win anything there and how he was going to force his way out. And then he never did. And he is the face of Cincinnati, and they're a winning franchise now with him at the helm. Mm-hmm. It, we've seen this before with you know these reports coming out saying that he's not going to go there. His team doesn't want him to go there. He would never go there. And it's like, this. it's interesting it's interesting that, you know, he obviously has an opportunity to go play for his hometown team. That's interesting. You know, they're number two team, number two pick, number one team, Chicago. That's what makes this whole thing like, I could see Washington move up, but I don't think he's ever going to force his way out of Chicago. I would never, no. I just don't believe that. Caleb Williams is a lot of things. I don't, I just don't see him doing something like that. I just don't see Chicago ever drafting him either. That's just my honest opinion. Oh, so you you don't even think they draft him, do they? I don't think they draft him, dude. I I mean, as I said, the Bears will be stupid to get rid of Justin Fields Mm because Justin Fields will go to a different team and just lead them onto something great. It'd be the Bears being the classic Bears. But no, I don't think the Bears draft him. Okay, I hear that, man. I I, I hear you, and I, I'm not too sure yet. I got to see some more smokescreen season. Like we said, it's 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 a crazy time. You don't know what to believe, and and with Caleb Williams, man, the talent that he is, these teams that might want him might be throwing some of this stuff out there. We've seen this in the past where a team might sabotage something to help them out, you know, to go get a player that they want. So. Uh, I don't know if that's the case here. That a team out there like a Washington is is putting something out there to kind of steer the the narrative, the, the 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 narrative in the public. But we'll see, man. I I don't believe any of it. I I do believe that the Caleb Williams team, whoever the hell that is, like, once again, 
Um, I don't. I have no idea. I'm, I'm sick and tired of this team too. talk, bro. I want to hear from Caleb Williams himself, man. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, from. like I just uh, let the man speak for himself. Like, okay, he's bro, got his own voice. That's what I'm saying. I know he's kind of a quiet guy. He doesn't really speak to the media that much. Paint, but, paints his fingernails. I mean, you know, interesting like, guy. But like, strange character. I want to hear I mean, from him. I want to hear from him. Yeah. But I do believe that they did reach out to Colin. They said, "Hey, <laughs> listen, we're not." We're not anti-Chicago, man. We just want to go play for a team that cares, man. I believe that. Yeah. I do believe that. Because Caleb Williams, end of the day, he's a competitor. He has competitive juices are flowing. He never even had really a chance to even win anything in college, you know. He didn't. No, because, I mean, he transferred and, you know. The teams weren't the that great. coach still led him to nothing. Yep. I mean, it's – and, like, Colin Cowherd said that, you know, Chicago cares. No, they don't. Chicago doesn't care. The city, the city, and the cared, fans do. The fans do. <laughs> no, they don't. Like, no, they don't. The, fa- the fans don't care. If they cared, then they would see the talent they have in Justin Fields. All right. They would care if they saw what they had right in front of them. But no, they're so money blinded and so wanting to go win a championship in the next year or two because they're that desperate. No, they, they they don't care at all. They do not care about anybody but themselves, dude. I'm sorry. That's just the way I look at it because if they cared, they would have stood behind Justin Fields no matter what. Now they're asking for this dude's head on a silver platter to be booted out the door. So, no, I don't really think they care. And I feel like it would be the same way with Caleb Williams. If if they draft him, it's going to end up – I feel like it would end up the same. They would not do anything for a couple of years, and then they would be calling for Caleb Williams because he wouldn't be able to produce – I mean, what did that? What did the Bears do to really help Justin Fields? They went out and got DJ Moore, they got Edmonds from Buffalo, and then they went and got Wright from. Uh, they got hey, from they Tennessee traded for Montez Sweat. Sweat. They traded for Montez Sweat. That's not bad. Oh, oh, oh! Hey, Montez Sweat's a decent player, man. I mean, did he show it? And did he really show it? I mean, come on now, give him a year. Did he really show it. Give him a year. He showed it for the. He showed it for the Commanders. He led the but team. Did he show in it sacks. for the Bears. He led, huh? he led the team in sacks. Yeah, after coming in for half a season, that you know how bad that is. That's terrible. You you led the team in sacks and you got there in the middle of the season. Yeah. That's trash, bro. Yeah. The Bears, no, Bears don't care. So I feel bad for Justin Fields, but as I said before, I don't think the Bears go after Caleb Williams. I hear you, man. I hear you. I, I'm I'm interested. It's gonna be a crazy time, man. It's, what a weird situation for Chicago to be in, you know, where you you you, you drafted this guy, you wanted to be the franchise guy, and now you got so uh, what people call generational talent in front of you. It's a tough. It's a tough decision. I think it really does come yeah. down to what you can get for a Justin Fields. If so, no one's offering anything big. You might have to really think, sit back and think about trading back and, you know, maybe going to get a Marvin Harrison Jr. and then waiting to go get another guy, an offensive lineman or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah. um, smoke, see, smoke screen season's here, brother. It's it's We love it. It's, it's very much in toll right now, and I can't wait for more, man. I really can't. Because that's also what makes the offseason a lot of fun. It is. It is. It makes it, oh, it makes it so fun. Draft season, two months of just just talking about just anticipation crap. and just going back, looking at players and what they did throughout their career. I mean, it's it's awesome. It gives me time to go back and, you know, miss college football even yes. more. Yes, indeed. That is very true. That is very, very true. All right. Let's get done with our draft talk here. Let's move on to some other football news. These these kind of videos that we're about to be showing caught some caught some airwaves. On the uh, on the X, the Instagram, and everything else, um, this one was massive. Kind of caught some people off guard, and kind of uh, 
twisting words. I'm not too sure. What was Jerry Jones trying to say here? I'm not too sure. Let's take a listen, CDM, uh, on his comments about Dak Prescott and how far he can take this team. Dak has done nothing to change my mind of any uh, promise for the future. I think I said in the deal that we'd go as far as Dak takes us in the playoffs. Remember that? Right. Go as far as Dak takes us. Right. How do you feel he played? And that's how far we went. Right. So Okay, so my point is that doesn't change a thing. Okay. We'll go as far as Dak takes us. Dak has done nothing. Well, go as far as Dak takes us, CDM. Not pretty far. (laughs) It's I'm sorry, I'm weird, sorry, man. Ethan. I really am sorry, but it's just like Dak is not the problem. It's Mm-mm. that man right there. Mm. That man is the problem for the Dallas Cowboys. I said it a couple of pods ago. I'm still saying it now, and I'll tell any Dallas Cowboys fan to his face. And I've told, I, I, and Red will admit to you as well. I feel like Jerry Jones is the problem for that organization not being not being a Super Bowl contender. It's not Mike McCarthy for going 12 and five for four straight seasons. Okay, we're gonna get mad at somebody for going twelve and five four straight seasons. I'm I'm happy. I would be happy to go twelve and five. But there's a lot of franchises out there that would that would be blessed to go twelve and five four straight years. Jerry Jones is not. Jerry Jones is the problem. I don't even think Dak's the problem either. Dak will. Dak plays to the best of his ability and the and and you know to the way of his game. And he's a great player. I mean, he's one of the best Cowboys quarterbacks I've seen since Tony Romo because he's the only Cowboy quarterback I've seen since Tony Romo. Mm. I mean, besides the year that he got hurt, other than that, that team without Dak is a totally different team. It's not the same. It doesn't have the same flow on the offensive side of the ball. But Jerry Jones, to me, is why why they're not able to go and compete for a Super Bowl. It's not Mike McCarthy. It's not Dak. It's not the defensive coordinator's fault, even though sometimes they do. The Cowboys in in the postseason, I don't know. I don't know what happens to him, man. I don't know. Like, they get hit by a wrecking ball, and then they just crumble. But Jerry Jones, to me, is not... Is is the problem? Dak is obviously not the problem, but is you see how far Dak can get you? Let's see how far you can get without Jerry Jones. Mm. I want to see that for a season. I want to see how long you can get, how far you can get without Jerry Jones being breathing down your neck every time you enter that building, wanting you to do what he wants you to. Man, I I, I think I said it last pod with Jerry Jones, and man, I would just love one season where this guy doesn't talk to the freaking media, keeps his mouth shut. And just does business behind closed doors. Draft, do what you got to do, but stop talking to the media every week. Stop going on your radio show every week. I would just love a season where he is just not the focal point of the Dallas Cowboys. So I kind of agree. It would be nice to see a season without him. Listen, Dak's not the problem. We've talked about on here. If Red was here, he'd probably be saying the same exact thing. Dak Prescott had a career year this year. He looked great. The the defense allowed 48 points, (laughs) y'all. Like. They scored yeah. six touchdowns on their first seven possessions. Green Bay Packers did. It's like, come on, guys. Like, like this is ridiculous. Like, come on. This this whole situation, this whole conversation surrounding, you know, Dak Prescott not being able to get him there. It's like, I, def- I feel kind of similar about Dak Prescott in a way that I felt about, feel about Brock Purdy in that he gets so much unwarranted hate because he's on the Dallas Cowboys. And... If he plays bad one game, he gets absolutely obliterated, and no one cares about what he did for the rest of the season. I understand he has not had the best moments in the biggest, biggest, biggest with the biggest lights on, you know, with the brightest lights on. And I understand yeah. that, like I get that, but like this whole 
thing that this was Dak's fault or this was Mike McCarthy's fault. Yeah, Mike McCarthy had a pretty big hand in it, but come on, like, this defense was absolutely just atrocious. And like, that falls on Dan Quinn. That yes. falls on Dan Quinn and his ability of being the defensive coordinator. He just got caught. What he caught? He got caught slipping that one game, and that. It sucked. It had to be in the postseason, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people are thinking the Dallas Cowboys are cursed. If you want to talk about being I'm cursed, Jerry. you're cursed with Jerry Jones. That's what I said. It's Jerry, right? It's the, like, that's Jerry's the, the curse, man. I'm here. telling you, if you get Jerry out of that building, I promise you, I feel like you would be like a, what, a 15-2 and two team, number one seed. They could. And then you don't have to worry about playing ball for the next two weeks, and then you're probably going to play for a Super Bowl. But – Get Jerry Jones out of that building. Someone's got to sit down with this man and be like, hey, it's just time. Like, Son? Nick Saban did it. Yeah. B. Carroll got forced to do it. We can, <laughs> I feel like we could force you to do it. Let's get him out. I mean, sit down. I mean, like, I mean, really look at where we're at right now as an organization and tell me, like, do in your best interest, is your, like, are you prepared to, like, continue what we're doing? I mean, because from what it, I mean, 12 and 5 is not bad. Once again, three 12 straight, and 5 is Three not straight 12 and 5s. Yeah, dude. Like, how could you get mad at that? It's, it's like, crazy. how could you be wanting? How do you? How, I mean, first off, McCarthy has fallen sometimes, but other than that, I mean, Jerry Jones is just not the t- right type of owner. And as and like this goes back with the youth. Now, I feel like the Cowboys need some youth in that in the ownership room in that uh, in the rooms upstairs that make all the big financial decisions. He, I mean, I think it's just time for a new face of the Dallas Cowboys. And Jerry Jones, you know, you sit back if you want to put in, if you want to, you know, put your input in on how this, uh, how this organization should be ran. I'm all ears for it. But at the end of the day, I feel like they need somebody that's going to be youthful, that's going to bring um, some electricity to the team as well. Ooh, Islander scored against three two. Dang, that's a good game. Oh, wow. oh dang, Kansas yeah, is that, playing, bro. If you want to turn that on, what is it? Kansas is playing Kansas State. Good game. Ooh, what's it? What's it on? Uh, ESPN. But last thing I'll say, real quick, on this whole situation with Jerry Jones, this just reaffirms everything I have said about Dak Prescott, and I wish that he would not be a Dallas Cowboy because put this guy on a good team that is not America's team. Put him on a team that's good, but does not get all the headlines. Like Avengers. they're not even America's team. Well. They're still the Dallas Cowboys. They're still going to get every single headline. It's like the Los Angeles Lakers. Even though we might not be the best team in the league, we're still the Los Angeles Lakers. Everyone's going to talk yeah. about what we do. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Every single time they're great, you're going to talk about it. Every single time they're bad, they're going to talk about it even more. So for me with Dak Prescott, when you got your owner saying this weird stuff, it's like, please, like, give me get this guy on a team where all right, he might not play great this game, but guess what? The fans are going to still support him, and the media is not going to be coming out and beating him down, bro. It's like I'm so sick and tired of the Dak Prescott. Like, I wish he could get a, spot, a chance. And it's like some of it's warranted. I understand that. But it's I wish this guy would have an opportunity to just be a normal quarterback. But he's with yeah. the Dallas Cowboys. Nothing is normal over there. Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, nope. I've said that for all, all season. I just kind of wish that. That kind of got a little bit more fair treatment, uh, and honestly, would like to see him in a different location. Not because of bad play, but just because, man, the Dallas Cowboys—they are just—it's always something over there. So, but yeah, my last thing true. I had to say, last thing I had to say, let's keep this thing rolling. We're going to talk about another guy that got hired. We just talked about the coach that got hired there with the Carolina Panthers. Now their GM was hired, and he kind of 
He's, send, he's sending a mentality. Everyone, okay, so when he got and I hired. I like it. I, I like it, it a lot. When he got hired, everyone was, there was rumors on, everyone was talking about Twitter and all about it. People were like, oh, Darren Moore, yeah, I've heard of him. He played he played football. We've heard, I've heard of him. Played and, seven years for that it, franchise. Yeah, no, it's like, he, first of all, that. He's got that grit to him. And people are comparing him to kind of an in, uh, uh, a Dan Campbell kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, that's what you kind of see with this guy. And so, real quick, let's see. This was his big uh, message at his uh, introductory meeting here, introductory interview. We, we, we need to find those leaders, those competitors, as Jay Stu would say, those dogs. Like, we need some dogs. Like, we got to get some guys that are passionate about football and love football. They want to come out every day and compete on the practice field, in the weight room. We need competitors. We got to bring that back here. We got to bring that back here to Bank of America Stadium. To where people get excited about coming to see our team. You see that man didn't blink one time. I was about to say, that's how you tell. I'm about to say that's how you tell that man's serious. He, we need them dogs. We need them dogs. Yeah, need them dogs now. I love yeah, it, dude. No, I I like that. I like that they're bringing a guy that has history with the organization mm-hmm. that has actually played for that team as well for seven years, and even after playing, he was around. Um, I like that he's got that mentality of yeah he wants to bring oh there's a fight hold up never mind there's not uh, yeah he wants to bring that he wants to bring a fighting mentality like a uh, a hard nose I want to be able to come out here and win every game type of mentality and he want, he's passionate you could see, he may not sound like it or look like it during that interview but wholeheartedly I feel like this man is passionate about this team and what he what he's going to be able to do with it, especially. Uh, having a quarterback as Bryce uh, with Bryce Young, you know, I still think that Bryce Young can be good. Um, he just got put in a terrible, terrible situation with yeah. Carolina. Once again, if they don't trade that draft pick, they have the first overall pick this year if they don't trade it. But they screwed up. They traded it, and uh, it, the rest is history. But the way that he the way that he talked during that interview – Show me that he is. He wants to make this team great again. Bring this team back to what they used to be, um, and I, I love it, man. I feel like he's going to go out there and find some dogs, as he said, that are passionate about the game. And it's all about helping out your rookie quarterback and your rookie head coach as well. You want to make their jobs. I mean, obviously, the it all it's going to fall on the head coach as well. But you want to make his job going into this season a smooth ride, trying to figure out where the right pieces need to be and who fits the role of those players as well. So I feel like, you know, I, I love the mentality he's going to bring to this team. I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, it's going to be a couple years of work for sure. It's not going to be, you know, first two years and they're going to be Super Bowl contenders. It's not going to be like Joe Burrow's, uh, you know, Bengals situation where they were a shock to all and go to the Super Bowl. It's going to take some time, but with the right pieces that you get, to surround Bryce Young with, and then you get the right pieces on defense to solidify the all-around team. I feel like they can make a uh, make a run in the NFC South because I mean, no offense, Nate, but it's not the strongest division in the in in the NFL. No. I mean, besides you and the Bucks, besides yeah, besides the Saints and the Bucks, you got a you got Carolina and Atlanta, and the real question is which one of those two teams is going to make the big move up to compete for that division. I mean, the Saints are. Right there, the Bucks are probably over the Saints just because they won the division and made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But Carolina, Carolina's slowly and surely going to be able to get there with Bryce Young as their quarterback and a guy like this that's passionate about making this organization great again. Yeah, I mean, with Panthers, 
everything that's been going on over there pretty much since, I mean, since Cam's been gone. It's been kind of just a lot really wishy-washy, you know, move on for the yeah. franchise, gets uh, sold and everything. And it's just like there hasn't been much. You know, Tepper hasn't been able to keep a coach, keep a quarterback, and hasn't been able to turn this thing around. And it feels like Dan Morgan is a move where, all right, we know what kind of culture we want now, which is like, Something that the Panthers have never freaking had is culture. It feels like. Oh my god, dude! What happened? Sorry, there was just there was all all of them. All of them were brawling. Like it was <laughs> just an absolute smash fest, dude. <laughs> they were, were hockey broken sticks. People on top of each other, just wailing each other, dude. We need, to, yeah, we need to make a, a hockey podcast. Let's I mean, just talk about all the fights for the week. Honestly, dude, I'll go clip them and show them on there. This was the first one out cold, clean. Out cold. Clean. Clean his clock. <laughs> but as you were saying, uh, no, sir, Yeah, dude. I, I, no, uh, I, I love it. I, I think he's a great mentality guy, a guy that can bring something to this franchise that they have not had in a very, very long time. And bringing mm-hmm. in the young coach, they have history together. They've been on teams together and with, with Canales and Canales with Bryce Young, another young coach with a young player. It feels like it's a good fit. And I mean – it's perfect. It's perfect. The Panthers, even though I will not root, ever root for the Panthers, as a person that's looking on the outside as the move, I it's a perfect move. You know, former oh, yeah. former player, like you said, that played there, and he knows what it takes to win. Um, he knows what it takes to win over that franchise and those fans as well. So, um, shout out to Dan Morgan. I, I like the I like the mentality. We're gonna get some dogs. I want some dogs. So. Um, yeah, great move. Great move for the Carolina Panthers. All right, so you get, let's wrap this bad boy up. It is time to talk about the Super Bowl. It is here, ladies and gentlemen. These are the teams getting off the plane as they arrived in Las Vegas. My brother, CDM. the man, the myth, the legend. Dang right it is. Dang right it is. Look at him. Look at all them. Oh, there's Christian. There's Christian. CMC, baby. There he is. Oh, there he is. Oh, my goodness. Debo. And, of course. There he is. You got the KC getting off the plane as well here, but man, what a what a what a game we got here! <laughs> Where's Taylor? <laughs> I need Taylor Swift. What is this? <laughs> hey, Why is she not hey, on the plane with him? Hey, did you see? Uh, she won. Uh, what was it best album? I think she won uh, at the Grammys. Congrats! She just announced she was dropping a new album. So yes, now she I did. What was it? The, uh, something about a poet. Talking. Something about a poet. I don't. I don't know. Nor do I care. <laughs> I'll be completely I honest with you. Just Swifty. because I'm, just because I'm wearing this jersey, does not mean I'm cheering for the team. I thought you were a Swifty, bro. I work with Swifties. Does not mean I am a Swifty. No, <laughs> hell no. I I respect the woman and what she does in her career. You know, respect. I'm glad you're bringing all the Swifties to the NFL, but I'm not interested at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> happy for T. Happy for Trav, though. Happy for Trav to find happiness. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's in love, bro. You can't, can't. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, you can tell. You can't hate. Can't hate. I um, give it. I give it like two years. They got kids on the way. What are you talking about, bro? Oh my God! The day she drops, she's pregnant. Oh my God! She's literally be talented. Girl, she is literally the most famous person on the planet. It's kind of crazy, right? Uh, dude, did you hear uh, that she will possibly be attending the Super Bowl because she is finishing her tour in Japan? Don't. The only reason I know all this is because I work with a bunch of girls oh, who no, I love know. Taylor Swift. I know. I've so, been calling the coverage, yes. 
Yeah. So yeah, uh, her tour will end in Japan. Mm-hmm. Okay, she will fly over. They are thirteen hours ahead of Los uh, of Los Angeles time. So she will fly over. It'll probably be about midday by the time she gets back into LA and then she'll f- get back into LA and then fly to Vegas to make it for the Super Bowl. There you go. Another thing, did you hear about the Super Bowl is that Chris McCaffrey's family cannot get a su- cannot get a suite. Oh, they ended up Chris McCaffrey ended up paying for it. <laughs> he oh, he did. Cuz I saw yeah. the tickets, bro. It's 2,500. <laughs> so much money. Apparently, so his mom came out on a podcast saying neither Christian or his wife, yeah, neither one of the money bags could afford it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, there's no way they cannot afford those. Hey, Chris McCaffrey broke like, down. He did it. I saw I'm about his say, bro, like, I mean, come on. You want your mom in a suite, man. Like, I would do anything to have mom in a suite. Gosh, $2 million. Is, oh, my gosh. That's $2 million for, for a suite. But that comes with, like, a bundle. So, that's, like, I think yeah. it comes with, like, eight tickets. It's, like, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, man. I couldn't afford it. No, Ooh. I couldn't afford it. Oh, I couldn't even no, afford no. one ticket in nosebleeds, but dude. I like thousands of even, dollars. I couldn't afford to look at the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe sit outside, you know, in the car in the parking lot. Maybe, maybe, pull maybe that just off. like, woo, yeah, like yeah, high no, five people yeah, as they no. go in. <laughs> no, but there's a lot of conspiracies about the number thirteen as well. Oh, really? So, like, uh, if Taylor goes to this game, it'll be her thirteenth Kansas City Chiefs game to go to. Um, you know, she's 13. The uh, the hour difference between 13. Japan and L.A. is 13 hours. Oh. Uh, some other stupid crap. <laughs> it's it's a bunch of conspiracy theories, but apparently thir- like her favorite number is 13. So, you know, uh, what I'm getting from all of this is I'm hearing that big old number 13, Mr. Irrelevant himself, Brock Purdy. Oh, th- is th- there's be another 13. There's another 13. Oh, I think that's the 13 that everybody's failing to mention or not wanting to mention. But number oh, 13, oh, baby. Her birthday, December 13th. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Apparently you add or subtract some number and it gets 87. Um, I don't know. It's a bunch of stupid crap. It's a bunch of white chicks trying to, you know, make their point about Taylor Swift. So, I mean, I don't know. It's stupid. I don't understand it. All I know is, is that here we go. Um, big old number 13. Big old 13. Big old number 13. Mr. Purdy himself. Okay. I think that's big a perfect man transition. P, baby. I think it's a perfect transition. Let's get a... Look at this game, brother, and that beautiful graphic that we have there. Uh, it's and, such a hey, close game. If you wanted to see this graphic, go check it us out on YouTube. Like I said earlier, go follow, subscribe, and like. Uh, but yes, obviously, we're gonna look at this right now, and and that spread, that spread opened up at two, went down to one, back up to one and a half for the 49ers. CDM, first of all. They really see. They, they really keep doubting this. This Chiefs team. They're really gonna make them the underdogs, aren't they? And see, like, I mean, I'm stupid, but I mean, it's so hard not to. Like, you shouldn't pick against the Chiefs. It's frustrating, man. Let's like, see. it's so stupid. Yep. They still got I did still. it. I did it during Championship Weekend, and Patrick Mahomes shut up the entire country. And lo and behold, this would be the time, and this would be the time to do it again. But. <sighs> Let's right. take a look at the uh, the other panel that you want to show us, Nate. The uh, game breakdown. Yeah, the tale of the tape, brother. Yes, sir. Tale of the tape, baby. Yep. This gives us you a little bit it. of a look here on the regular season records, and these stats are their postseason stats. So kind of taking a look at what they've done so far in this postseason run. As you can see, KC here 
Only scoring 23.3 points per game compared to the 29 that San Francisco scoring, but as well, you look at that defense that the Kansas look City Chiefs have. Points per game allowed. Points per game. 13. Mm. Good Lord. KC's defense has played some amazing football, as now the 49ers' defense, not so well at holding at 26 points per game. Those, those yards as well, you see it. There's a big difference. So the narrative coming into this, you know, if, if, if you asked, if you didn't look at any of the playoffs, you asked, all right, what do you expect out of these two teams? You'd say, okay, San Francisco's got the better defense, but Casey's got Patty Mahomes. Well, that might not just so be the case, y'all. San Francisco, on paper, yeah, they probably still have a better defense, but they're not playing like it. And guess what? Casey's not having to lean on Patrick Mahomes nearly as much. Weird, weird stats heading into this game, CDM. I mean, I mean, what, what is your first thoughts on seeing you know these numbers compared to each other? Uh, the points per game is so different from college football. It's insane. <laughs> My God. That's yeah. the one thing I'm looking at. It's yeah. just like there's teams in college football averaging 40 points a game, and these guys over here are only averaging 30 and 23, which is like it, obviously it shows the different speeds of the game. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's just one funny thing I saw. Um, it's the biggest thing is the defense for me, for mm. San Francisco. I mean, uh, allowing 26 points a game. That's a lot. That's a lot to be. It's a lot to be allowing compared to Kansas City only allowing thirteen, almost fourteen points, which is what what, what we've never seen Kansas City's <laughs> defense ever do. I've never seen Kansas City's defense be this dominant and this elite before. Because I'm always used to Patrick Mahomes, like you know, slinging the rock downfield, making explosive plays. That's what took it away from. I think that's what take everybody's focus away from the defense. But this right here, the points, per, the the defense is what's uh, kind of iffy right now for San Fran. Another thing is uh, yards per play. San Fran's got them beaten that uh, in that category for a hundred three hundred and eighty four yards per game. Mm. That's almost four hundred yards of offense. It's insane. Mm. That's crazy. Um, there's a bunch of other things that go into play that we're not showing as well, but it's insane to see these two teams and the way that their seasons have gone and how and how both teams have evolved over the past couple of years from what we've seen. KC on the defensive side of the ball is one of the is like the biggest thing for me, seeing how their defense has evolved from being not what they used to be, being uh, you know, not as dominant, not as uh, getting as many takeaways and getting back to the quarterback as they're used to. But as a, and the, and but the other thing is, it's like it's Casey Kansas City when they get into the playoffs. It's kind of like LeBron when he gets into the playoffs. It's a whole different beast, and that's what and that's what a lot of people that's what a lot of people notice. So I mean, it's it's amazing to see what Kansas City has been able to do these past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's so weird, the narrative coming in this game and what Patty has done during his career and what he can do in this game, what he could solidify in this game. It's just like, what? This guy, this guy's ridiculous, man. Like, he is truly unbelievable, man. And you know, doing what he's been doing over these last, you know, since he's been in the in the league, man. I mean, it's just, it's mind-blowing, you know, to see what this team has been able to do and, you know, having a chance at their third one and his third one. And it's like, my goodness, man, my goodness. And I loved your point, loved your point about the evolution of these teams. We, we've hit both hit, they both hit rough patches in this season. Mm-hmm. We remember when the 49ers hit that, that uh, I think it was a three game losing streak in the middle of the season. Everyone's kind of like, hey, what's going on here? They Kansas turned it City back around. Also hitting a losing streak in Kansas the middle of the City, season as well. There was 
major controversy around Kansas City. And then, like you said, it's something about them playoffs and Patrick Mahomes and that team knows how to turn different, it different on. Different beast, man. Different. It's a different type of team, man. It's it is. like when they hit the playoffs, it's full like full full sails ahead. It's a different team. It is, and it's so intriguing this matchup. And I know everybody wanted Detroit versus the the Ravens. Baltimore. I, everyone wanted that. I know, and that would have been a fun game to cover and kind of look at and. I got to be honest, though. Feels like we got this one right. I just, I do believe. I feel like the script was wrote perfectly. I, I, hey, I think so, too. Uh, <laughs> and at the end of the day, I do, I really do believe these are the best teams. KC is the defending champs. Got to beat the champs to be the champs. San Francisco has the best roster. They've been, had, they've had the best roster for years. And, you know, finally got a chance to prove that they're the best team. And I love it. I love it. This is going to be a different game than anyone ever thinks. So I'm going to kind of give you all some ideas of what I'm thinking here as we look into it. Prediction time, right? And what do we expect this game to have is a big question mark that we're trying to figure out, right? Like when you're watching the games, you see what they've been able to do, these teams, and, you know, my biggest takeaway right now, all right, you look at the matchups, right? In the trenches against each other, San Francisco's offensive line compared to the front seven of KC. The San Francisco 49ers should be able to run this ball. Oh, yeah. The Ravens were able to. They just did not. I just saw this. <laughs> they just did not take the opportunities. I just saw the stat. The Patriots have more Super Bowl wins than the Ravens' running backs had carries in the AFC Championship game. Why don't you hear that one more time? New England has more Super Bowls than Baltimore had rushing attempts for their running backs last week. I'm going to tell you. That's disgusting. Yes. Three, two, rushes. Two, three. Hang on. Yeah. Three and three. They had six rushes. So they had the same. Uh, they've been the same amount. Had the same amount of Super Bowls that, ta- that Bill Belichick has. They've been to more. And they ran the ball with running backs. Yes, because that is Baltimore insane. had eight carries for Lamar, three carries for Gus Edwards, Zay Flowers had two carries, and Justice Hill had three carries. Make that make sense. The 49ers are not going to be that stupid. The 49ers are going to be very no, understanding bro. about this matchup. They're going to let Christian McCaffrey go to work. Listen, what is the Chiefs' strength of this team when it comes to their defense? Their secondary. Their secondary is elite. You could make a case it's the best secondary in the entire league. Press, and as well as their blitz packages. Spagnolia. Listen, I'm a Saints fan. I've seen this guy at the lowest of lows as a defensive coordinator. He was horrendous for the Saints. You give this guy an actual secondary, he has to see what it can do. Because that is what his defense is predicated on, is secondary play. They are very good impressed. They're very good man-on-man. They do a lot of good blitzes. His blitz packages are very sophisticated, and it's very fun to watch. You don't know who's coming from where at all, ever, it feels like, when it comes to his blitz packages. What they do best is get these teams in these long third downs, make them pass the ball, press up on these receivers, and that's how they... That's how they make all their stops. That's how they do it. And if not, they're going to throw those blitzes at you on those certain longs, make you get the ball out quick, tackle in space. That's what they do. The 49ers cannot allow them to get – well, the 49ers have to stay ahead of the change. Let me say that. 
have to stay ahead of the chains. That is their biggest thing they have to do in this game. Cannot get into long third downs. Avoid third downs as much as possible. Run the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Find ways to get Debo Samuels working in the run game. Screens. Those kinds of plays that Brock Purdy has been very good at. Managing-wise, game manager, here we go. But managing the game in a certain way where, hey, let's not put this thing all on Brandon Ayuk to go make a bunch of plays. George Kittle make a bunch of plays downfield. What they need to do is establish the run early on, milk some clock, get into this game, because we know how the Super Bowl is, CDM. Those jitters are insane. There's nothing like the jitters in a Super Bowl. National championship jitters are crazy, but it's Super Bowl's different, it feels like, when it comes to these teams coming out and kind of playing a little off. Like, they just, it's just a, if you can go down the field on your first drive and score or make a stop on your first drive defensively and then go and score, that is a, whew, that is a, Kicking the that's a kick in the ass like that. All right, we're yeah. in this game. We're we're here. Like we are in the Super Bowl. We're playing the game now. And I believe 49ers call me crazy. If they win that coin toss, they might be getting that. They might be asking for that ball. They they might be doing that. They might be doing that. Um, I believe this game is about momentum and and grabbing it as much as you can because this game's gonna be close at the end of the day. It's gonna be extremely close. Score wise, it might be it might not be exactly what we think at the end of it, but competitively, it's gonna feel like a one point game, all game, a tied game, all game in my opinion. And it's about who can keep the momentum. The Chiefs, my last little point here, the Chiefs have got to be able to run the ball. They have got to establish the run. They have got to get Pacheco going. Not even just Pacheco. Um, uh, McKinnon is back. Just got pulled off of the the IR. Yeah, I saw that. That's he really was a big for that Super offense. Bowl legend last year. They got to find a way to get him involved in the pass game, in my opinion. And then Clyde Edwards-Helaire has been healthy. Get him the ball as much as he can possible too. But obviously, Travis Kelsey in the red zone. Who is going to step up in that receiving core? Who's going to step up? She Rice. I think Rice. And I'm glad Tony? you said that. I have loved Rice all. Oh, me too. <laughs> I heard. I just heard that last one. No, Kadarius Tony. I heard Kadarius Tony didn't even get on the plane. I heard they didn't need him. So Kadarius Tony will sadly not be at the Super Bowl. <laughs> he's he's making the Gatorade. He's making the Gatorade. Hey, yeah, hey yeah, Sadie, yeah, real yeah, quick, yeah. real quick. Yeah. What's your prediction on the uh, on the Gatorade color? Go. Uh, orange. Okay, orange. All right, we're going orange here. I'm going. Um, let's go grape. Let's go grape. Let's go grape. Ugh. Yeah, let's go grape. I, like I don't orange. like grape. Orange. I, I, if I'm going to pick which color I would want, I would go blue here. Yeah. Glacier. Uh, if we're I, gonna I got Powerade, but that's that's different. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well. But, yeah, no, um, a little tell a little tell the tape for me. I, 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 like the, I like both teams in this for sure. Uh, for both teams, I think San Fran has to establish uh, a presence on defense. Mm. I feel like if you do what Tampa Bay's defense did to Patrick Mahomes a couple of years ago, and make him be able to do everything on that field and shut down everybody. I'm talking about shut down Rice, Tony, Kelsey, shut down all of them and make him have to roll around in that pocket and try and make plays. Then that's going to be a way to uh, that's going to be a way for them to win that game. Uh, Chase Young, Chase Young is going to have to be going to have to make a presence. Because uh, during the during the uh, NFC Championship, there was a lot of uh, lack of effort plays by him. But then there were also some plays where he just looked like the former Chase Young that we're used to seeing, being able to get off quick blocks, shed him, and get to the ball carrier. So I feel like their defense has to make an elite 
uh, elite plays to be able to get their uh, get their offense on the field, and that goes uh, Fred Warner being ha- being able to call out the plays to and lead um, be the leader of that defense because their front seven is lethal. Their front seven is one of the best front sevens in the NFL. Their secondary does need a little work. I will say that they were getting carved up by by the uh, Jared Goff and the Lions, I won't lie to you. But at the end of the day, that front seven came to play and shut down their dominant run game that they were having because if the Lions just continue to run the ball, that game's over. That mm-hmm. game's done with, but they got away from it. If they shut down Kansas City's run game and make Petra Mahomes do everything like like I, uh, like I said prior, they have a better chance of winning that game. You just have to put everything on Patrick because – I don't think he's able to carry. I say that, but you know, I've probably seen it before. Uh, it's very hard for a player like that to carry all that weight in the Super Bowl to go play for a championship. We've seen it happen. We've seen it happen to LeBron in the NBA Finals, where you know, uh, the second time he had to play Golden State, they came out, and you know, this was the first year with KD, so obviously LeBron's having to do everything. Um, that I feel like that's what they're going to have to make Patrick Mahomes do. KC, on the other hand. KC's defense has got to be able to make Brock Purdy do the same thing, especially for him, this being his first Super Bowl. This Kansas City defense has been there before. They were there last year. They were here a couple of years ago. They know what it takes to win these types of games. So I feel like if you get Brock Purdy thrown off of his game, make sure he is not staying comfortable in that pocket, make him uh, make take his first, take his first read away, make him look around the field, and I feel like that's going to be a way they uh, stop the San Francisco 49ers from uh, potentially doing anything lethal, especially if they can get tra- uh, if they can shut down Christian McCaffrey as well. That's the focal point of all of this offense is like if they can get Christian McCaffrey down, because San Francisco is not an air it out type of team as we see as we've seen over the couple of years. They were a team that you know relied heavy on the run, play action over the middle. Uh, throw it downfield when necessary, and that's what San Fran. Uh, that's what Detroit did. Detroit took away their deep shots, and it made them take short dump routes over the middle. Uh, throw it to throw the ball outside, and uh, you know take away Christian McCaffrey's presence in the game. So that's one way Kansas City's defense is going to be able to slow down and possibly neutralize that uh, lethal and explosive San Fran offense. For the offensive side of the ball. Um, you just gotta let Brock Purdy do his thing, as you said before. You gotta let the man come into his own, see what this game's all about. Those first couple of snaps are gonna be, as you said, you're gonna have the jitters. It's gonna be. It's. I mean, you're living the dream, man. You're at the Super Bowl. You're playing for a title. You never thought this would probably happen before, especially being from mystery relevant to leading this team. I mean, it's a big step up. So um, let Brock Purdy come into his own and let him uh, let him direct this offense in which in which the direction they want to go. Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City's offense. You got to give Patrick Mahomes what he needs. You mm-hmm. got to give Patrick Mahomes time in the pocket, and you have to count on not just Travis Kelsey getting the ball. You have to rely on the receivers, and I'm going to say it. You have to rely if Kadarius Tony is there. Maybe Kadarius Tony could do what he did last year. Maybe you know that pump. He almost had a pump return last year, and that flipped momentum for Kansas City and against the Eagles last year. That was huge, and I'm 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 expecting that from him this time. 
And I know it's a big expectation, but if he can make a play like he did last year's Super Bowl, then that's going to be showing everybody like, hey, I'm still a key player to this team, and this is why they traded for me because I'm more than just a wide receiver. I'm an athlete. I can make plays anywhere you put me. Um, Travis Kelsey, I feel like he's going to have he's going to have a day. I feel like Travis is going to have one of those you know, come and get me type of games. Nobody can stop me. He's going to have some time going up against Fred Warner and Nick Bosa on the edges as well. But the big thing is Patrick Mahomes not being, ha- not having to do everything on his own. You know, back uh, when they played Tampa Bay, we saw what happened to Kansas City's offense. It was the best offense during the season. They get to the Super Bowl and there's nothing to be shown. You score nine points out of it. It just was, it just disappeared. If you allow that defense to take control of that game, Patrick Mahomes is going to have trouble in the pocket. Your offense is not going to be running smoothly. And it's just not, it's going to play out like that Super Bowl did a couple years ago. So I feel like if you give Patrick Mahomes the time that he needs, make the right play calls and the right decisions and get Isaiah Pacheco going, because I mean, that man runs hard. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of jokes about how the man runs, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't want to be in front of him. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in front of him taking a hit because he may be small, but I'm pretty sure he packs a freaking punch on him, dude. I'm telling you. And if you can if you can get past that front seven of San Fran and worry about that secondary trying to make stops, I'm I'm positive that they can take that game into an advantage of their own. Because as I said, the front seven with Ken Law, uh, with uh, you know Greenlaw, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, uh, Chase Young. Our Armstead, all those guys up there, they've been in these situations as before. This secondary, in my opinion, is not as veteran has as many veterans as it did last year when they had Jimmy Ward in there, being able to lead that secondary around and show everybody show everybody who is now. It's Traverius Ward, mm. who is who's in my opinion the leader of that secondary, playing on the outside, having to uh, you know direct everybody where they need to go. So there's a lot of things that come into play for both of these teams being able to score fast and stop e- stop either offense from going on. In my opinion, I think the San Francisco 49ers have a better chance on defense. Yes, the Ravens Ravens was the best defense they played all year just because they allowed zero points in that second half, ended up being a 17-10 to 10 game. Um, I feel like San Fran's defense is more uh, explosive. I feel like they get around to the ball more faster. And uh, no disrespect to Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, but Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the NFL. And Greenlaw like, is just and good. Greenlaw. <laughs> that's a. I mean, I mean, you saw it. I mean, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith are the same way. Yeah. But I feel like can I feel like Greenlaw and Fred Warner, they like East and West. They mm. move so differently. Like they they are there on a spot. I mean, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like tr- putting Troy Polamalu in the middle linebacking core, which they did. They kind of did it. I mean, if you looked Mm -hmm. back at those games, they kind of put them down there, but their defense is being, their defense is able to move so quickly around that field that I don't feel like if they get the ball out in time, they're going to be able to move up field. There's going to be chances, but I feel like that defense is so perfectly sound right now and has had to go through more. um, They had to make a comeback, man. They had to shut down a team that put up 27 points in the first half and you thought the game was over. So I feel like they are more battle tested. I feel like they are more ready to uh, go into the Super Bowl and show what the San Francisco defense has been building on for so many years. Yeah, uh, perfect. I mean, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, man. And a couple points I just wanted to like dive onto right there before we make our picks is uh, getting that 
getting Purdy going, like you said, that, that you got to let him do his thing. It's that's why I said you got to get that run game going early because that that'll calm him down. You know, if he knows that his run game is working to a certain degree, that'll make him feel like he can make all those throws. You know, he'll be confident in the in all the pass plays that they have. So I, I do agree. Like let Purdy be Purdy, but you got to get him into the game. You can't just expect him to throw. You know, the first seven plays are going to be passes. Like, I need, I would like to be first six plays are runs, and then you maybe throw a play action in there. But I completely agree. Yeah. You got to have Purdy. Purdy has got to, you got to let Purdy be Purdy. You can't just change your philosophy now and not trust him. So I could yeah, don't completely change, agree. Don't change the game plan mm-hmm. from what it's been going on to. Like, you've seen, we like, you've seen the growth that he's had in these past two games mm-hmm. that he's played. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, this is his, what, this is his, fourth fourth playoff game so far or less or the Ch- nfc championship was his fourth playoff game mm-hmm. right and then uh no no no, it's his third it was his third but he didn't get to finish last year's yeah, playoff in, nfc finish, championship yeah. game so we've seen the growth that this guy has made and the situations that he's had to overcome to get to this position plus I mean, he's got a chip on his shoulder from being Mr. Irrelevant. Mm. I mean, yeah, Tom Brady was right. Tom Pick. Tom was one ninety nine. Brock was at the <laughs> bottom of the barrel, it's like scratching crazy, to get bro. out. Crazy. And so, I mean, this is. Just, I feel like this is. Uh, this is the beginning of an amazing story for Brock Purdy, uh, especially if he's able to go out there and ball, win a win a Super Bowl, and possibly a Super Bowl MVP. I feel like this would be a great start for him, but you, as uh, you know, you just got to let him be his own man. You got to let him don't change anything up to what he's done this season in the playoffs. You let him continue to make those strides and take and evolve his game into something even better for this team. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly, it's exactly it. You got to let Purdy be Purdy and get him into the game. It's you cannot start slow against the chiefs unless you want to lose like, we, yeah, they no. can't do it again. They can't do it again, or they or they will lose. And last point I got is, wouldn't it be freaking incredible? Just insane. The storyline, the script, if Kadarius Tony wins this damn game for the Chiefs, bro. Oh if he my somehow God. gets like the last second touchdown to end it all, <laughs> I, so I, I, I will go buy a Kadarius Tony jersey from both the Giants and the Chiefs. I, I would actually, I would honestly be happy for the guy because man, he has been through one this year, man. And we thought he'd be a hell of a player coming out of college. I, yeah, dude. I mean, he was athletic, and yeah. I thought the Giants hit. And you know, the Giants always tend to screw everything up <laughs> that they get. So I mean, look what they're doing with Jalen Hyatt. Fair. I mean, dude's good, but they're just an ass franchise i mean anybody i mean giants fans i mean even though they are the most stupid fan base they i feel like somebody in that fan base is smart enough to tell you that yeah this franchise sucks <laughs> i definitely do now that now danny might be gone but sticking you around with this, this man waste of six waste of 160 million dollars i'll tell you that 40 40 yeah yep Nothing crazy. Wait, right? 140 is no, 140? No, 40 a year. 40 a year. Oh, yes. Which that's a actually, waste of 40 million dollars. Which is actually not horrible money when it comes to quarterbacks anymore. Um, but still, yes. But yeah, they, yeah, listen, I'm screwed up. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so close, so close, so close. I was at the end, man. I was at the end of the freaking show. <laughs> hey, damn it's, it. It's Super Bowl week. It's Super Bowl week. You deserve it. It is Super Bowl week. It you is. It. it is. But dang it, it's man. It's the hype, bro. Oh, we were doing so good. We were. Hey, I think that's great energy to dive right in to, of course, our game picks, brother. Score predictions is here, man. I can't believe 
we're making our last NFL score prediction of the season. Last football score prediction, bro. We made a lot, CDM. We made a lot. We've made a lot, bro. <laughs> hey, listen. At the end of the day, the pod still is alive. It's a sports pod, not just football. But, man, first things first before we make these picks. What a season, CDM. I appreciate everything you've done with the pods. And, you oh, know, always a pleasure, sir. Dude, what a ride. And this has been one of the funnest seasons I've ever had, you know, kind of watching sports because of getting to do the pod and getting to talk to all the guys and, you know, you know going through this journey in college and in the NFL with you, bro, has been amazing. So I appreciate it, man. It's, the feeling is the same. Feeling is mutual as well, man. It's always, it's been an awesome journey from, you know, First season of College Kings was amazing. Yes. And then being able to slide on here onto the pound perspective and, you know, give my final thoughts on these past couple of weeks of the playoffs has been awesome. So I'm greatly, greatly appreciative of, of you allowing me to do this, man. Dude, of course. You're awesome. Really appreciate oh, it. Appreciate yes, you, sir. Appreciate yes, sir. You. Hey, but let's do now, it. It's time. We get into it, man. We get into it. So oh you start God. us off, Nate. I'll ask you, who do you have taken home? the Lombardi Trophy. Is it going back to Kansas City for a second consecutive year, mm. or is it going back to the Bay? Is it going back to San Francisco? Mm. Listen. I'd like to also point this out. San Francisco is only 5-1 and one in Super Bowls. I'd like to point that out. Their only loss was to the Ravens back when Jim and John both played against each other. 5-1, and one, by the way. Let's point that out. So, I'm not trying to change your persuasive, but who do you have? The San Francisco 49ers or the Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, man. Man, oh, man. CDM. We learned our lesson, didn't we? We learned our lesson last week. I thought we did. thought we learned our lesson last week, man. You know, the Chiefs is the Chiefs. I picked the Ravens. I'm a Lamar fan. I defended Lamar all season, and... MVP, rightfully so. He deserved my pick. But I had to I had to be wrong to realize what this team is and what they've done and what they will continue to be. The 49ers, what a season. Brock Purdy, unbelievable. Impossible not to defend for me. I know there's haters. I know there's people that hate the guy, but I will defend Brock Purdy. Love Brock Purdy. Truly am not rooting for a team in this game. I will never in my life ever again pick against the damn Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs are about to go back to back. Oh, we're talking about a new dynasty in the NFL now. It's time. The dynastic run is here. And they are going to pull this off. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to beat the San Francisco 49ers, I will never in my life pick against the Chiefs again in these types of games. Give me Patty Mahomes. Give me Travis Kelsey. Give me Chris Jones. Give me Andy Reid and that cheeseburger for the win. Final score prediction, 27 to 26. Okay, man. Okay. I like that. I like that prediction a lot. You know, I'm wearing the man's jersey. You know, I'm wearing the man. I'm repping him right now. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I love both teams. You know, congrats on an amazing season for both of them. It's time for someone new, man. It's time for someone new. If I had a jersey, if I had like a 49ers shirt under this, I would tear it off and wear it. But, you know, I don't right now, so I can't. 
But give me the San Francisco 49ers taking it back to the Bay, baby. It's been too long. Okay, no disrespect to Kansas City. I just don't want to see. I need someone new. I need some fresh legs. I need some. I need some fresh, fresh meat in there. Mm. I'm taking Brock Purdy. I'm taking Mr. Irrelevant, who got slandered, got talked about, got doubted by everybody to go take home Super Bowl MVP this year. <laughs> to go and ball out against Patrick Mahomes, the new baby goat so far. And to be the third, third person to beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. First, it was Tom Brady. Then it was Joe Burrow. And this time, it will be Brock Purdy, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Tariq Armstead, Debo Samuel, Chris McCaffrey, George Kitt. It's going to be everybody. Everybody's going to get it. Everybody's going to get a taste of glory in this game. So give me the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan finally breaking the curse and winning his first Super Bowl title with a score of 41 to 28. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it, CDO. Yes, sir. It's good. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to call myself a prophet, but if it happens, you know, go ahead and get my go ahead and get the plaque ready. Cuz uh go ahead and go ahead and get me sized for a Super Bowl reading cuz I'll need one after that prediction. All right. All right. I love it. I love it. I love it, CDM. What a okay, season, man. bro. What a season and it's time. It all all comes down to this Sunday, man. Mm. And I, everybody will be there. Everybody will be watching it. I don't care what anybody says. This season was not scripted, okay? Nope. Just because nope. Taylor Swift got added into it does not mean it was scripted at all. This is going to be one of the best Super Bowls in the century, in my opinion. Man, it, it will outrank last year's Super Bowl. And last year's Super Bowl was good. But I can tell you this right now. The San Francisco 49ers are not taking a 10-point lead because anybody that takes a 10-point lead against the Kansas City Chiefs always finds a way to blow it. Okay. Last year it was the Eagles. Okay. The last time the San Francisco, last time the Niners and the Chiefs played, they had a 10-point lead and blew it. It's not happening this time. Okay. I need the Tom Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers to live in this San Francisco team and go in there and shut them down. Son of a bitch. I don't care if we get copyrighted. I don't care either. Lady, stop licking yourself. I hate you so much. You son of a bitch. It's Taylor Swift season, baby. We're bringing it home. We're bringing it home. It's a love story, uh, baby. It's a love story between Travis and, and Taylor. It's time. My daddy said, stay away from Juliet. I don't even know the rest of the words. Wait, no, no, no. Uh, no, I don't. Sorry. I'll give the girls a call real fast from Sully's, and we'll get them to sing acapella for us. Juliet! <laughs> right. I was waiting for that right there. There it is. All right. All right. Oh, man. Well, I hope, I hope Taylor's ready to see them lose. But, oh, you know, that was funny. it's been an amazing season, man. Yes. It's going to be fun. Mm. Go Niners, baby. Go Niners. Hey, Chiefs, bring it home, Taylor. We need it. We need it, Taylor. <laughs> it's a love story, baby. All right. Thank you all <laughs> for listening to the Pound Perspective, watching on YouTube. If you did, if you didn't, please do so. Go out there, like, subscribe on Nate Dog Productions' YouTube page. And, of course, it's on social medias as well, on yes. Twitter and Instagram and Damn Facebook. Right. Damn right. Nate Dog Sports on those social media platforms. And, of course... 
College Kings will be back, but the Pound Perspective is here. Pound Perspective Draft Pod is on the way. That is obviously Pound Perspective X College Kings Draft Pod that will be on the way very, very soon. And next week, we'll be back, and guess what? We'll be talking about the Super Bowl. The result that I want the Chiefs winning. We'll be talking about that. We're going to talk about the Niners. We're going to talk about Mystery Irrelevant becoming relevant. This guy. This guy. But of course, obviously, NBA is getting real good. Real good. And guess what? We're going to be talking about that now once the NFL season's over. So get ready for all kinds of basketball content as well as some college basketball and college baseball that will be on the way. March March is right around the corner, baby. March March is right around the corner. People, get your brackets ready. Damn right. We're going to be doing our own brackets sooner rather than later. So keep an eye on that, obviously, as well. Like I said, the Draft Podcast. Go follow us on all social media platforms. Subscribe on YouTube once again. Like this video. And once again, we hope you all have. An incredible day. You have listened to the Pound Perspective or watched the Pound Perspective presented by Nate Dog Sports. Have an incredible day. Peace.